0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: Hello. This is Zack Saber Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. On today's show, we'll be discussing the KOP title, New Japan Cup USA, Suzuki vs. Ngata, answering your questions and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network and a keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving us a rating and review. You can get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Preston T store or presslandtees.com slash social suplex. That's where you can get the official Keeping It Strong style T-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code suplex at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code suplex. Young boy, how you doing, man?
2: Jeremy, you do such an incredible job. Just handling all of the production and sound editing with this show and i can only assume that you have started the broadcast of this podcast with the appropriate 10 bell salute to start this show is that correct
1: uh, i didn't what, are, you, are you saying something is dying
2: what i'm saying is new japan is dead <laughs> it is cooked <laughs> finito finished uh, for those of you that are just tuning in you might not know but we're supposed to be doing a quote-unquote Half year report. I don't know why we even got to do a half year report. I can give you the prognosis, and right now, shit is done.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm just playing. I hear people turning off the the app right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, man, man. I'm
2: doing doing pretty good.
1: Good, man. Yeah, should be another fun week here, keeping it strong style. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about this week.
2: (laughs) I got to tell you. It is definitely a blessing. I thought it was bad at first, but it's a blessing that this KOPW announcement didn't come out until after we recorded last week's episode. Because if I had responded to that live, holy crap. I've had a week (laughs) to reflect, and I think I'm a little more docile in my uh, opinions and views this week as opposed to last
1: Nice. Well, that's gonna be the first thing on the docket. So we had um, two press conferences last week. We had a a press conference in Japan, a press conference in here in America for a a lot of stuff coming down in the future of New Japan and both. New Japan proper and New Japan of America And of course we watch these press conferences And summer struggle using the NJPW EXT The only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like Dark mode, improved translations and layouts Custom and shared playlists, synchronized Viewing parties and much much more It will take your NJPW World experience to the next level Visit NJPWEXT.us US today for Details
2: Absolutely so uh, we're going to start this week off hot. We're talking about a new announced title. This was discussed this past week uh, during, what was it, Monday's press conference?
1: Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was Monday night or Tuesday, one of those early in the week.
2: Yeah, so the King of Pro Wrestling title. Jeremy, tell us uh, you know about this big secretive announcement and also uh, – I feel like last week's episode didn't get uh, – we definitely did a good job. We're still a podcast, but, like, by the time the show came out, we were sitting here speculating about what Okada's announcement would be, you know, making predictions, and we were maybe not even – we probably weren't far off, but in a way we were, and I don't know how much shelf life that episode has. Now this freaking <laughs> title that got announced kind of spoiled everything.
1: It's all good. I mean, there was a lot of stuff we covered that uh... – was time sensitive last week But yeah, let's talk about this KOP title So last week we had the press conference Azuchika Okada explained his new titles, is Okada's idea The KOP 2020 title He explained that wrestlers will be competing for the title And pick the stipulations for the title match Then the stipulations would then go to a fan vote So beginning on August 26th Eight wrestlers will square off in a first round set of four matches The winner. Hold on
2: before you announce this, you have to you have to do the obligatory old school Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone. It's really simple, ladies and gentlemen. Let me explain. <laughs> it,
1: <laughs> ladies, it's a, it's a real simple Sassafras. So let me let me explain this to you. Uh, so the winners of those four matches will move on to a fatal four way match at Jingu Stadium on August 29th. That match will not have a unique stipulation as they'll explain that it will just be a fatal four-way match, which is obviously pretty unique in itself for New Japan. The winner of the Jingu Stadium match will be declared the provisional champion. The provisional tie- Not the
2: champion. The provisional champion. Right.
1: There, there will be no physical <laughs> championship. Uh, The provisional title will be contested until the end of the year, where one final title match will take place. The winner of that match will then officially become the KOPW 2020 champion and receive a trophy. And then the process will then start again in 2021 to crown the KOPW 2021
2: champion. Uh so, a couple of my questions. Number one, uh, KOPW. This is Kazuchika Kata's pro wrestling. Is that correct?
1: Well, it, it's it's his idea, so that makes all the <laughs> sense to me.
2: <laughs> uh, my second question: um, How pissed is Minoru Suzuki that they're trying to take away the title that he has held for the last like thirty years, the King of Pro Wrestling? They're trying to make this shit into some real. This is this is like when Harley Race was the king of the ring and then they're like we're gonna have a king of the ring tournament it's like wait i'm already the king (laughs) how y'all gonna (laughs) how how are they gonna have a tournament to determine the king of pro wrestling suzuki is already the king like does the i feel like the real what should actually happen here is you you are the provisional champion in your rinky dink little tournament until you fight minoru suzuki and take the King of Pro Wrestling title from him
1: Right, at the, at the end of every year You face Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom
2: At the end of the year You get a chance to fight him like he's Goro or Shang Tsung <laughs> That is That's what you win That is, you, you get a title opportunity At the reigning champion Minoru Suzuki
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so oh, man, You want to go first or you want me to go first?
2: I mean, we can just discuss. This is this is a safe space for us, Jeremy. It's <laughs> open discussion. <laughs> um, I mean, so I mean, the okay. So for a few weeks here, Kazuchika Okada was, you know, explaining uh, in his post match comments about how he had this new title or that he had this uh, announcement, and it was going to be very controversial for older fans, older wrestlers, but that he thought it might be fun and exciting, you know. And I think. We were pretty optimistic like what well, could it be, you know? But then once I woke up in the morning and I started reading and the thing is like you have you had to read. I had to read it like 5 or 6 times just to understand what this even was and then once it dawned on me what we were talking about, my stomach my stomach absolutely sank. And every time I talk about this, now I would like to preface this by saying, this is not a doom and gloom sort of thing. There's some upside, but there's a lot of downside. But regardless of that, my personal feelings, even if this ends up being the best thing in the world, my stomach feels sick because this is not my New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, I read, like you, I, I read the the news release and caught up on the press conference in, in the morning. And yeah, like you, I, I read it over several times and you know, I, I saw a lot of people, you know, you know, immediately burying it and having a bad feeling about it. And initially I was just kind of like, I don't know, I'm guess I'm at the point now, you know, we got evil as a double champion, a lot of interesting booking decisions being made. I kind of feel like, uh, you know, Gato has just, you know, bent us over and, and, and now I just got I just got to take it. So I, I, I wasn't necessarily like I was just kind of apathetic about it. I was like, OK. This, this is happening, all right. This is this is what we're doing now. Um, so
2: you're saying you've made peace with it? Like a lot of times when people are like passing on, they talk about how like they come to this point of like acceptance, and it's like, is that? Are you just accepting your fate? Is that what's happening here? Like,
1: I think so. So initially, let me. So I start off negative and then try and come to some positives. So first of all, I, I, I don't think there should be. I hate promotions that have tons of titles. And I think New Japan already has way too many titles. It's probably hard to tell right now because they're all tied up or vacated, or they're on somebody who's injured. But in a normal time period, New Japan already has too many titles, and uh, you know, there's, there's well,
2: we could we could get some of those titles back over in Japan if people in the states start wearing their masks. God,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so the idea of another championship even if it's provisional, whatever you want to call it. It's like we already have so many titles that we could utilize to main event some of these Cork and Hall shows and mix things up. And so the idea of just another title, I'm just like we really do we really need this additional title and trophy to throw out there. Um, especially with the whole, you know, gimmick match associated with it. Um and, and you know, I've always kind of been a firm believer and I know you are too of, you know, stipulation matches should be saved for big feuds. You know, I personally have always hated in WWE what they've done the last several years where you have Hell in a Cell, you have TLC, um you have Survivor Series, you have whatever Elimination
2: Chamber. Elimination
1: Chamber, that's a better one. Yeah, and so you have all these like gimmick pay-per-views and so it's December, it's TLC, we have to do a ladder match We have to do a table match, we have to do a chairs match We have to do a TLC match, all on the shame show And you're not building rivalries to that point But you're just doing it because it's December's TLC You have to book that pay-per-view And so I'm not really a big fan of, you know, doing stipulation matches for Just for the t- sake of it and not really building up feuds and matches for it uh, But as I try to think of the positives of this uh, So, you know, as we look through these Quarkin' shows, and especially this stretch, you know, we've had, like, 14-something Quarkin' shows, and, you know, a lot of the cards have been very, very similar with a few matches changed out, and, you know, after seeing Evil and Dictago and Taiji Ishimori versus Naito, Bushi, and Sonata for, like, you know, 12 times in a row, it's like... Jeez, how many times do I need to watch these these same matches over again? And with this KOP title, this is something with all the titles mixed up right now that you could throw on a Korkin main event, and it could be fresh, something different. Uh, it, it could it could have it could lead to a great matchup but actually a great main event instead of you know kind of a repeat multi man tag that we see on and on throughout the tour. Um, and I, I I don't know I feel like with some of the stipulations that they're gonna do and maybe and I know Okada's mentioning things like ladders and cages and all this stuff but I feel like for, especially for like a Corkin show we're gonna see more wrestling based stipulations I think we're gonna see some submission matches maybe some two out of three maybe heck maybe even like some kind of knockout style matchup and as I'm I think- heard
2: they're I heard they're doing electrified cage
1: <laughs> they could be doing that but you know if I think about it I'm like. In a vacuum, what sounds more interesting, you know, potentially like, I don't know, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi in a submission match or, you know, Bullet Club versus LIJ for like the 10th time in a row?
2: Nah, man, that's a straw straw man's argument because that's what they call a false dichotomy. You're presenting those two options as if they're the only two options. There are many other options that are better than both of those. (laughs) Don't try to tell me I can only have vanilla or chocolate. There's a whole range of flavors out there, Jeremy. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: No, I I agree with a lot of your points here. Um, You know, so part of, okay. Some of the things I don't like about this, uh, I'll start with just the formatting um, and a couple of things we do need to address the, uh, There's a lot of flack that, say, Gato is getting for this. And, um, you know, Gato is an ECW mark. He is a Memphis mark. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was, like, something he's always kind of deep down wanted to do and, like, never really had the opportunity to do it. And he's like, this is the
0: perfect
2: time. (laughs) Uh, no one, like no one cares. Anyways, we're going to sell these buildings regardless. Might as well try (laughs) something. Um, but more so the rumor is that Kazuchika Okada in kayfabe as well as a shoot, was the one who kind of came up with this, uh, idea. And, um, I don't think that's impossible. That might be the case. Uh, I do think it's interesting though, that every time Kazuchika Okada, doesn't have the IWGP title it's like his brain cells like go fried or like he just does something crazy like before it was the balloons and the music and uh, I think we need to close this show out with Kazushiko Okada's uh broken music for sure (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like they don't know what to do with the guy because he's not surrounded by you know the the IWGP title and it's like they don't want to um They don't have the other belts, and if they did, for right now, they don't see the. They don't seem to be inclined to, you know, um, put a white belt on him or put a never belt on him. So, like, you know what we need to do? New title, (laughs) give give him that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other thing too is kind of like you mentioned, Jeremy. There's there's a lot of belts and a lot of tournaments in New Japan. Now, one positive I have here is that this isn't the end of the world. This is hypothetically New Japan trying a new concept. Now I'll tell you, I hate this concept. I don't – I'm not a fan of it. I'm not looking forward to it. But I've been a fan of New Japan long enough to know that they've done not anything like this specifically, but they've tried a lot of things in the past over the years. You know, six-man tournaments, U30 uh, (laughs) (laughs) – belts you know they had a they've the g1 used to have a totally totally different format when it was the iwgp deal you know um they've done all sorts of weird and wacky things uh obviously the shoot stuff you know it doesn't always last um and so there is a good chance that maybe this is something they do once now they're talking about like they're gonna do it annually but i'll tell you what i don't see them being able to do it annually now if they do oh go ahead
1: yeah, that's one thing I want to mention, too. I, I feel like they've left the door open to immediately just scrap this by making it a yearly thing instead of it being a physical title. With it being KLP 2020, 2021 could come around and be like, you know what? This was a dumb idea. Just, never mind this happened. Just let's move on.
2: Well, here's one thing that a lot of people are bringing up for the future, but they're not bringing up for the immediate. Uh, and it actually kind of gives me pause for concern A lot of people are like, oh, well, they're going to do this, you know, after G1 next year. You know, that's what they're they're like. Oh, so you get this cool, fun, exciting thing that fills the slog of time after the G1. So everything's not so boring. Right. I'm sitting here thinking like, but they're talking about doing this during this year's G1. Or the supposed G1 that we were like probably going to be getting. How is that going to work? How do you have your provisional champion, whoever that might be, probably Okada, are they going to, like, is this kind of like the, uh, the, like, is this like the linear title where, like, it gets defended regardless of what type of match it's in? Like, are we going to be seeing G1 matches where, like, Okada comes with, like, his (laughs) own stip and then, like, Yoshihashi comes with his own stip and then they, they decide and then, like, we get G1 matches that are not just... For the points, but also for the provisional title. Um, yeah, I don't, you know,
1: yeah, I don't know. Like, they, they haven't really made that clear. I mean, obviously, the, the champion will be crowned before G1, but in my uh-huh. head, I'm just thinking that, alright, he's the champion going into G1, and then after G1, he would have his first defense, but who knows? With the way this year's going, maybe they do try to mix the G1, G1 up, up as well.
2: Bro, I had a... I was like, this this year's so wacky. What if the provisional champion wins the G1, and then we have a a king of pro wrestling match at Wrestle Kingdom in a, in a gimmick match between the IWGP champion and, and whoever the king of pro wrestling is, you know? Yeah. Also, if you, if you win a quote unquote provisional championship, does that go on your record or is that going to show up on your Wikipedia page? How prestigious is this shit? Like, um, my problem is that, you know, you want to have stakes in a match. But this company already has how many heavyweight singles titles? Basically four plus one junior title. So that's basically five. Then you already have two major singles uh, tournaments throughout the year, plus any other minor ones that might pop up, plus the best super juniors. This is going to make this like the sixth most important title probably and like the fourth. Like the sixth most pre- prestigious singles belt and the fourth most prestigious tournament. How how important could that be to someone like Hiroshi Tanahashi?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like a lot of people are saying, too, you know, oh, well, you know, the, the main event guys are not going to be in it. Is this something, you know, cool for the mid and lower cards to guys to do? And I'm like, well, first of all, because we just go like, guy that's like the face of this thing right now And that's you know right. the top that's the ace And then like why do we need Something else for the mid and low card guys like mm-hmm. Eventually it's gonna, it's gonna be Essentially it's gonna almost turn into like the WWE 24-7 title where it's gonna have A bunch of geeks mm-hmm. wrestling For this thing
2: Maybe I mean it, i we don't know that I think that that is our western mindset Thinking that that's what that it's gonna Turn into a joke or whatever well, I'm just saying like but, it,
1: if main adventures aren't gonna be in it right i feel like i feel like some top guys are gonna be in this thing in order to keep it up
2: well part of the thing is like um they're saying that okada came up with the concept when will osprey told okada about the proteus title in um progress what is in progress and the concept of that title is like the champion has his own set of rules while he's the champion so like let's say if um Keith leads the champion, then it might be like a mega heavyweight title. Only mega heavyweights can win it, and then maybe Walter beats him for it. And Walter, all his matches in the future are KO only and only and no rope breaks. That's what the title becomes. Whatever the champion makes it. Right. That's kind of the idea of how Okada like came up with this concept. But he went like, you know broken okada with it and he's like we're gonna have stips we're gonna have taboo tuesday for every single <laughs> match <laughs> it's gonna be like cyber sunday it's gonna be crazy um i also don't understand how they're doing the voting i don't think we're gonna be able to partake in this voting it sounds like it might either be done like online like the night before or live i don't know i don't know
1: yeah i know, uh, I know in the past passive views like that line app in Japan for some of the fan That's voting? What, yeah,
2: I heard it was going to be line. That's what I
1: heard, line line
2: voting, whatever that is. Oh, man. Um, so, I mean, here's another thing. Think about all the illustrious titles that you've ever heard of in the history of professional wrestling. Every, every major program that you've ever thought of that actually mattered. Every single, you know, um, really, really, like, historic tournament usually it doesn't include some sort of gimmick where guys had to all come up with different gimmicks and then it had to be voted on and then they had to advance onto something and then it was another gimmick and then they go into a four-way nothing that convoluted has ever been regarded by by anybody in any company as being like a good thing and this sounds closer to like battle bowl than it does king of the ring you know it's less like g1 and more like you know some ddt sort of stuff like (laughs) This is not something that's going to be remembered favorably. Um, Another thought I have about it. Yes, there is the possibility that this changes things up. And yes, there is the possibility that there are some good matches that come out of it. My main issues with it are basically this. New Japan Pro Wrestling has always presented itself as being a sports-centric product. That doesn't mean that they don't have goofballs or characters or promos or gimmicks. They do. But it is a far cry from what you see in the majority of wrestling promotions around the world. When they do have gimmick matches, and there have been many. I mean, they're not plentiful, but there have been numerous gimmick matches of all styles in New Japan through the years. They've been rare. They've only happened when a story or a feud calls for it or when it has significant meaning, you know, and it's a spectacle, it's special when it happens. Suddenly we're going to go straight from basically having almost none, like no gimmick matches to suddenly we're having four back to back and then another one. And then probably a monthly gimmick match or, or several a that, takes away from the prestige of whatever gimmick matches you're doing right off the bat, like immediately. The other thing, too, is how good could they possibly be when the stakes are so low because it's not a prestigious thing to win at all. (laughs) Right. And when there's no story leading into it. Now, I'm sure some people are going to have stories like the barn burner of a feud that has been Okada and, um, you know, uh, (laughs) Juro. I mean, can't forget that one. But, uh, you know, there there might be some minor stories into it. But how important could Zack Sabre Jr.'s submission match be in the context of the tournament? Like, it really can't. So even if the action is good, it's going to be good in spite of the bad booking and in spite of the lackadaisical and lazy nature of this whole thing. Um, I'm in favor. I would love for them to do some gimmick matches here and there in New Japan. It's 2020. Why not? Do it. But book around it. Tell a story. Draw some asses to some seats, some eyeballs to some TV sets. Don't just do this. This is hypothetically, this thing sucks, this might ruin gimmick matches in New Japan for a long time. You right. know, right? Kind of like how people don't want to see shoot wrestlers in New Japan because they're afraid it's going to be like the dark ages. When in fact, sometimes you, you include that sort of element, it could be badass, but you know, you, you do it the wrong way and it, you ruin it for everybody. Um, I guess it's pretty much all I have to say about this. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I just want to know what would be like a wrestler's besides Okada because clearly he's motivated. What are what is everybody else's motivation to, you know, challenge or throw their name in the hat for this provisional title instead of going after the double titles, going after the never title, trying to you know fly to Vegas and steal the U.S. title from John Moxley. Uh, you know what? What's the big you know how proceed? Like you're mentioning, it's not that procedure. So why would I? So, you know, in kayfabe, go after this provisional title and not try and go after one of the other titles.
2: Maybe, maybe long term you end up getting a title shot of some sort at the end of it. Maybe they'll reveal that. Who knows? Yeah. A couple other thoughts I had. There was something where a lot of people are saying, well, this is new and fresh and it's going to you know be exciting. And at least we're not going to be getting a bunch of multi-man matches. And I'm like, why did we need this to not get multi-man matches? Why couldn't they just book feuds? Right. Why couldn't – I mean, look look how awesome – oh, go ahead.
1: No, yeah, exactly. Suzuki and Nagata.
2: Yeah, look how awesome Suzuki and Nagata has been. You can't tell me that if they wanted to just run some feuds and do singles matches, there doesn't even need to be a title involved. Just good wrestling that people wouldn't be excited about it. It's funny. uh, James Boyd on One Nation Radio mentioned uh, this past weekend. He said – this is called the King of Pro Wrestling title, and it's anything but. Like when you win it, you're anything but the actual King of Pro Wrestling because you're doing a bunch of gimmick matches, so it's not really true, authentic pro wrestling. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a it's a joke.
1: Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, like this is just not New Japan. I mean, like you no. mentioned, like you mentioned earlier, like New Japan is about sports centric in the ring, one on one combat, like who is the better wrestler. And that guy's is at the top, and so this is definitely feeling very Western. It's feeling very Dude, wwe it feels DDT. It, yeah, it, it feels like TNA. You know, I feel like you know TNA every year would come up with some you know different gimmick title, the Grand Title, the Legends Title, the this Dude, title, that title.
2: Absolutely, it feels like that, or like Gift of the Gods. Although Gift of the Gods was kind of cool, but it sort of feels like that. Like I don't know, man. Um, you know, part of me is sort of like. Maybe because Yoshiko is like, dude, I'm not having the best year in ring, starting to slow down. I need some gimmicks. Cody, it works well with Cody. It works well for Cody.
1: <laughs> he, he calls, he calls up Matt and Nick. He's like, man, guys, I'm I'm just in a creative rut right now. Uh, you know, they're not putting the belt on me right now. They put the belt on Evil.
2: You know, Shingo I- and Hiromu are passing me up in the in the polls this year. I need something to catch up.
1: And they're, uh, Matt and Nick's like, well, have you been watching Dynamite lately? Like, you know, Cody goes out here. He does all these you know, his gimmick matches. He always blades. Like, you know, maybe you should try that.
2: They're like, well, you know, Cody's wrestling a lot of new, young up-and-comers and, you know, giving them a lot in the ring. And Okada's like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather work for you, Jiro. Uh, you, got, you got anything else? And they're like, well, he does a lot of smoke and mirrors. I mean, he pulled some thumbtacks out the other day. Ding, 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 ding. That is exactly what <laughs> Okada is looking for. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Matt. Love you guys.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: And oh man, yes, I'm not excited about this. I don't know why the IWGP committee didn't uh, nix this one, but uh, this is going through. So I guess we better just get ready. But and, and you notice know
1: it's, all- it's not called the IWGP KOPW title. So this is to me, it's not sanctioned by IWGP. <laughs>
2: This is called the uh, Kozushiko Kata Presents, the King of Pro Wrestling provisional title. That's what it is. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, we got a lot. I think it
2: should be called the (laughs) (laughs) Uh, K-O-K-O-P-W.
1: Kakapow. Well, we had a lot of questions here from listeners about the K-O-P-W title. Let's get into them. I think
2: think we expressed a lot of our opinions on this, so when we go to these questions – Probably answered a lot of them, but uh, we'll try. We'll we'll go through them quickly because we got a lot to cover this this week.
1: Yeah. So first, from Reddit user PSAN 91 what kind of gimmick matches do you think we will see from the KOPW title? I know Kata mentioned cage matches, but it seems a bit too WWE for me. I would prefer to see more things fitting with New Japan, such as the Iron Man matches or submission matches.
2: Ooh, great question, PSAN 91 And it's that's the one point I knew I was forgetting something, and I wanted to mention. They are in a damned if you do damned-if-you-don't situation, especially because of Okada's big mouth. Okada mentioned the ladder matches. He mentioned steel cage matches. He made it sound like they're going to be doing anything is up for grabs and on the table. My problem with this is the fact that they probably will be doing a lot of New Japan-centric singles match variants, knockouts only, submission matches, you know, falls count anywhere.
1: Two out of 30. things.
2: Two out of three falls, Iron Man stuff like that. If they just do that, then what's the point of this uh, title to begin with? I mean, why isn't why isn't people doing fluorescent light tube matches and you know piranha shark tank matches and cactus, you know who knows? Like all this shit, you know GCW, uh, you know door matches. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they have those options in front of them, and the people aren't taking advantage of it. That's stupid. On the other hand, if New Japan ends up just doing a bunch of crazy, death-defying, death-like matches, you know, gimmick matches, that's stupid, too. They are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Who the fuck knows what kind of gimmicks Kota Ibushi is going to (laughs) want to do
1: with his DDT ass. Kota Ibushi probably loved this. He heard it it was like, oh, what? A word? We're doing DDT now?
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everyone thinks that this is Okada's deal, but, like, really, like, in the back, like, like just kind of behind, like, a barricade, there's Kota Ibushi, and he's like, I'm doing a fireworks match.
0: <laughs> oh, my <gosh. laughs> Uh
2: I, I couldn't tell you a single gimmick that I really actually want here. Uh, I know a lot of guys are probably going to work to their gimmick and have things that are their signature match. How about... Beat someone's ass. That's your signature match. <laughs> pin someone's mat. Pin someone's shoulders to the mat for the one, two, three. That's your. That's your signature match. I. I don't care what they do. Be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards more. You know, like I mentioned earlier, hopefully more like wrestling. Um, you know, New Japan centric base matches like P.S.A.N. is mentioning, but like you mentioned, then it's like why did Okada mention cages and ladders and all this stuff? Um. But yeah, I'd like to see a, a more straightforward as possible. But we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Tuxedo match. <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: Coal miner's glove on a pole <laughs> match. Brass knuckles match.
1: Eye for an eye. Uh,
2: eye for an eye match. Uh, Chamber of horrors match.
1: These.
2: <laughs> this is what we need in our new Japan.
1: Yeah. Uh, next question here from Tom the Twenty Four. Who do you want to be the first KLPW champion? For me, it's Jano. Who do you think will be the first KLPW champion,
2: dude? Who's even in this? <laughs>
1: uh, it hasn't been officially announced yet.
2: Oh, okay. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care. I want it to be some. I, I want it to go away. So maybe Ujiro.
1: <laughs> oh my
2: god. Yoshihashi.
1: Yeah, there we go. That can be Yoshihashi's first title.
2: And then they'll have to retroactively say it wasn't a real title, so he's never actually held a title.
1: Yeah, let's let's go with that.
2: I don't I don't care who it is. But I like if it's Yano, it's gonna get over. So no, I don't I don't want Yano. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's put it on Goto because he's a geek.
2: Bro, I'll tell you what. Maybe Hamma can uh, do death matches again. You <laughs> oh know,
1: <my> go- <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Hanma and Desperado.
2: <laughs> yeah, bro. I uh, don't. I don't care. How about Dick Togo?
1: <laughs> uh, next question from our user Viking pain. Do you guys think the KOPD KOPW thing is just an excuse to do cinematic matches and jump on the fad?
2: I don't think they're going to do anything cinematic. Well, they've already done, bro. Go, go watch, uh, Inoki and, um, Saito on the, uh, <laughs> on the, uh, Island death match. That's the original cinematic match. And it's like, Two and a half hours long, <laughs> 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 feature length film. Um, I don't think they're gonna do cinematic matches. This might just be like them trying to catch up because New Japan is so far behind. They need to update with the times and start doing gimmick matches. Like they're not jumping to cinematic matches. They're just gonna do a bull rope, bull rope matches and Russian chain matches, shit like that. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be flabbergasted if. Gato came out here and booked some, you know, Firefly Funhouse, Boneyard Swamp match on a Cork and Hall show, or you know, King of Pro Wrestling, Power Struggle, or whatever. So I don't think we're getting cinematic matches.
2: WWE is in 2020, and um, New Japan's just trying to get to like 1986, like Jim Crockett territory. Like they're so far behind, <laughs> and they need to catch up with these gimmicks, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Agent Wallaby asked us, how much yen do I need to throw at Gato to get Okada to come out here with a light tube bundle and make the king of pro wrestling gimmick a bunch of death matches? <laughs> 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 yeah, bro. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll be like Big Japan. They'll be like the strong style division and then the death match division.
1: All right. And then you can start a partnership with GCW. You can you know, bring over you know, Nick Gage and uh, Chris Dickinson, Matt Tremont, uh, Jimmy Lloyd, F.E., Fe yeah, <laughs>
2: that's pretty. Yeah, that'd be, that, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, maybe they'll sign ACH and um and uh, Leo Rush because uh, none of the American companies want to do it. Talking about you, Dub.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: oh man. <laughs> um. Next question from uh. King WD 510 he said, do you guys think the King of Pro Wrestling title stipulation matches should be held more on road two shows? I always thought Gato should keep his more American style booking on the road twos and make them more interesting than a bunch of multi-mans. But I definitely don't want to see a bunch of main eventers in this thing.
1: So this is kind of like what we were talking about and I feel like there's opinions, even just
2: in our questions, like all like some people are joking. Some people like have hard, hard feelings about it. Some people like it. Some people don't like, you know, I feel like the uh, opinions on this thing are kind of all over the place, really.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of what I was talking about where you say you know, he doesn't want to see a bunch of main inventors in it. Well, if a bunch of main inventors are, are in it Then it's not important. And it's like, why do we even care about it?
2: Yeah, you know, the problem is, is the wrestling in New Japan is so good. They're gonna fuck around, and get this thing over, and it's gonna R- be great. <laughs> I'm gonna be pissed. Um, uh,
1: and yeah, I, I I don't think that you know, like you mentioned, they did not need to do this title to change things up. They could have easily said, you know what, uh, show uh, Desperado, you guys are gonna have you know three shows of multi mans, and then we're gonna blow it off one big singles match. Just like they did with Suzuki and Nagata, like they could have been several of those,
2: bro. Like all they have to, instead of doing like four or five row two uh, multi-man tag matches, you could just maybe expand some of those matches. So, so instead of saying three mans, maybe they're five men. Maybe you do two or three of two of those. Then maybe you have some tag matches. You know, we always talk about this company doesn't have a tag division. Build a fucking tag division. Have some tag matches. And here's, here's a crazy idea. Have some singles matches. I mean, I know we just got like Nagata and Suzuki, but it took forever to get to that. How come I can't get uh, Gabriel Kidd and, and Makabe already? Let's do it. You know what I'm right. saying? That's a feud that I'm invested in and I care about. I don't care about Okada coming out here having a balloon stip versus Ujiro's pimp stip. Like, whatever those two matches would even be.
1: Right, and here's another one. Right. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't care if it's on the main shows or the road to shows because I watch all of it because it all does matter. And now it's all going to have this shit on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Here's an idea. How about you – Get, you know, break up the double titles and use the IC belt where it's supposed to be and have it, you know, main event shows. How about you vacate the junior tag title since yo, towards ACL and try and do something there and have the junior tag titles main event a show.
2: Man, this feels like some WCW shit like Battle Bowl or, you know, the, the Lord of the Ring ring or like World War Three. Remember when uh, Russo and and Bischoff came back and made everyone vacate their belts and then, like, reset the company? That's kind of what this shit feels like. It don't feel right. (laughs) This feels wrong.
1: Uh, Next question here from the Maple Leaf Wrestling History Podcast. Does New Japan have any popular gimmick matches from the past? And if so, what would you guys vote for in the future KOPW title matches?
2: Well, uh, I think we've already kind of mentioned our thoughts on... The the match stipulations, as far as popular gimmick matches from the past, they've been few and far between. Honestly, they really have been. Um, The mixed style fights, which are sort of like an early proto take on MMA or shoot wrestling, uh, those were big draws and pretty popular. Um, The 10-man elimination matches, you know have always been very popular as well as the uh, 10-man or 12-man gauntlet matches. So as opposed to having all 10 guys, you know, all the two teams start in the ring, you start with two guys in a singles match. And then whoever wins, the next person's team member comes out and so on and so forth until the other team is eliminated. Those were very popular back in the day. Uh, there have been a lot of like death matches where it was, like, knockouts or submissions or, you know, uh, 10-count standing sort of rules. But that's about it. There have been some steel cage matches. There have been some uh, exploding barbed wire death matches. But they're pretty few and far between.
1: Yeah. And then also, you know, you can look back at um, Suzuki's, you know, 2017 Never Title Run where he was doing um, several, um, you know, gimmick matches within his never title defenses.
2: That's right. There've been a lot of, um, a lot of those. Uh, what are they called? Um, Lumberjack death matches. Yeah. Quite a few of those. Yeah. Then, he, had some, he had some chain matches too.
1: Yeah. And then there was the big match with Goto at Wrestle Kingdom. It was the, I think it was billed as the hair versus death match, right?
2: Yeah, it was hair versus hair. There've been a few of those. There have been some chain matches in the company, and then obviously Kenny Omega's ladder match um, with Elgin. And, you know, no DQ matches have become more in vogue recently with some of the Western stars. We saw, you know, a Texas Death match at Wrestle Kingdom this past year, but uh, nothing too crazy, honestly. Right. Uh, unless you want to count those two island death matches I mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> May, I hope I hope the king of pro wrestling is is decided at a on an island death match. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, last question here from Rob Clark on Twitter: Do you think Okada could be about to turn heel?
2: I don't think so. Just because evil just turned heel, but it's twenty twenty. Who knows?
1: I mean, creating this title, he's, he's already turned heel. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. for business reasons, yeah, I don't think, like you mentioned, just had the fresh evil turn. I, I don't think that Okada's turning anytime soon.
2: Well, uh, th- thank you for the questions. I think that is going to uh, cover, our, that's going to do it for our coverage of the King of Pro Wrestling title. Let's move on to our next topic. Let's talk about Summer Struggle in Jingu.
1: Yeah, so also in that same press conference, we had two big title matches announced for Summer Struggle in Jingu. We had the IWGP Junior title match announced as Hiromu will defend against Taiji Ishimori, and then we will have the rematch of Evil defending the double titles against Tetsuya Naito. And also a a note on Hiromu... um, He's going to be missing the rest of the Summer Struggle tour, doing due to a shoulder injury. But they believe he should be good work. to go for Hiromu at Summer Struggle and Jingu.
2: That's a work.
1: Yeah, I mean, based off the I angle, I
2: don't, I don't, I don't know if it is.
1: I don't know. I, I feel like with the whole angle they did on uh, last week's show, where Ishimori put him in the yes lock and he was out of the match selling the shoulder. I feel like it was a work to kind of build sympathy for Hiromu, um, and then. You know, going into the match, you kind of give him. You know, he has to fight from underneath because he has a shoulder injury.
2: Possible. Uh, they also could just be taking advantage of an actual injury and being smart, which is
1: something they haven't always done
2: this year. But uh, maybe you know some classic New Japan booking here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did have some questions about some of these matches uh, first from Reddit user Brian James Interactive. How do you think New Japan will do at the Jingū Stadium show given that its? A thirty-five thousand uh, seat arena at one-third capacity, so potentially a maximum attendance of eleven thousand five hundred, same as for Goku. And the main event has only just happened at a major show. Well,
2: my question is, did they say it was for sure a one-third capacity? Because I thought part of the brilliance of them doing an outdoor Jingu Stadium show was that they could have a higher attendance due to the fact that it was outdoors. Am I wrong in that?
1: So I haven't heard – so this is the one thing I didn't really hear in the press conference or when they announced this show that it was going to be one-third capacity. I think we're all assuming that that's been the protocol and that they would do that for the Jingu show as well.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't know this. It's not confirmed, but I was assuming the re, one of the big advantages of them doing an outdoor arena show is that they didn't have to do one-third capacity. Now, I don't think oh, – you know, uh, 1,200 people or 11.5 is anything to sneeze at, you know? Um, I think New Japan does that easily. Now, you do have the Hiromu and Ishimori match coming up. You got Evil Naito. It's hard to say, uh, but I'm guessing we're probably going to get Dangerous Techers, Golden Lovers. You're probably going to get some sort of Zany gimmick, King of Pro Wrestling match that will probably involve Kazuchika Okada. So all that together, I don't see any reason why this brand, in an outdoor arena for the first time in 21 years, in a place that they don't always travel to, doesn't sell out. You know, right? I mean, it, it seems pretty easy to me. Yeah. Also, Naito Naito's beloved and. People believe, if people believe that they're going to get the opportunity to see him get his comeuppance and be part of history again and see him win the title again, I think, I think that's going to draw.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be very similar to the Kenta situation where people love Naito so much and were so angry at Kenta in this, in this situation. They're angry at evil, and they want to see Naito get that comeuppance. We saw how well that show drawed with N- Naito versus Kenta. So I think we're in a similar, a similar situation here.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Uh, he also asked, as a long-term fan, the past three main events having major outside interference has for me for the first time questioning keeping up with the product and certainly has my desire to watch live waning. Obviously, one person's opinion is just that, but I'm curious whether you think such an approach has the potential to really alienate large parts of their fan base in Japan given the New Japan main event scene being strongly inspired by the purest Kings Road style in recent years.
2: Well, man, you're you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the the whole I think the whole idea of what they're trying to do is basically a long term play. I think long term they're hoping to establish evil as a future main eventer, not unlike what they did with Jay White. And I think that they were hoping to. Create enough buzz for this big show that's coming up by creating some sort of, you know, wrong that needs to be righted by Naito, something for him to chase. And to some degree, they might have successfully done that. I mean, if, if at the end of the day, for, from a business standpoint, this all works out for them, great. I mean, I wasn't in love with the creative of it at all. And I'm never probably going to be because I, I, I don't agree with uh, evil being pushed as a main eventer. But there might be some, some you know, positives for how it all works out for them from a business perspective. Uh, I still am very wary about running in any sort of meaningful way with evil long term. But uh, I think that's what they're trying to do here. And I, You know, if, if, if all that ends up uh, happening long term is evil gets one – Three month title reign and then he's kept off that you know shit for like at least two years. I guess I can live with that.
1: Yeah, pretty much in the same boat as you. You know, I would love the main events to you know get back to the high quality that we're used to. Um, you know, but clearly we we you know beat the you know we beat the dead horse here with evil and um, how we feel about him and his matches and his whole main event push. So. Like you said, you know, here's hoping it's a short-term thing. Naito gets the belt back and we can get the main events going back in a better direction.
2: I mean, when I think of the titles that I have, the time periods of different world titles that I've loved the most, it generally involves prestigious title runs with prestigious matches occurring, you know, and big feuds. And so I completely agree. I'm not opposed to outside interference. I'm just opposed to it being overdone, especially when it's the perception is that it's kind of being done because it's being used to cover up the inherent flaws of one of the performers. Right. So uh, next question from uh, world underscore B underscore free. He says, what is your take on the idea that Naito is better when he's chasing the title than actually having it? And why is that viewpoint constantly regurgitated on Reddit?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, I, I just think it's one of those things where there just are there are some guys who are they are, are better on the chase, and I think we've seen that. We've seen how passionate the Lij fan base has been over the last three years, and we're really rallying behind Naito winning the title and beating Okada in the dome, and. So obviously that was that kind of a big arc and story. And I think people are, are saying that Naito's better in the chase because that's mainly what we've seen. We really haven't seen what a Naito on top and not chasing really looks like. So I think a lot of people are like, well, he's better at the chase. Well, yeah, he is good at the chase, but we haven't seen what really happens when he's not on the chase.
2: You want to hear my completely off the top of the head? I didn't look at any of these questions, so I didn't prepare anything. But this is just off the top of my head. On the spot, Joshism viewpoint on this. Every single babyface ever in the history of wrestling is better at chasing unless they are being pushed as the absolute top guy in the company. Period. Try right now, Jeremy. Try to give me the name of any babyface that you can think of that wasn't the tip top guy in the company. When he was champion, that was better at quote-unquote chasing. Sting, better at chasing. Goldberg, better at chasing. Kenny Omega, better at chasing. Macho Man Randy Savage, better at chasing. Anybody who was like a good guy who was champion, who was seen as being better at chasing, it wasn't always necessarily that guy's fault. Ultimate Warrior, better at chasing. It's when the company wants to let them be the top guy. He's not Okada, so he's better at chasing. That is the real answer.
0: Hmm. Now,
2: that here's the thing. There are other things you could say about Okada. You could be talking – I'm sorry, about Naito, about Naito's character, his attitude, the level of his work over the past years, the deterioration of his body. Those are all valid points. But it wouldn't have mattered. If they put the title on him back in 2018 or 2017 or whatever, he still would have been better at chasing because they're not going to push him like Okada. Same thing happened to Kenny Omega. Any Anybody who is a face that they put the title on, they're going to be better at chasing because the company is not going to get behind them and give them the kind of booking that Okada got.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. But as I'm like rolling through my head of previous world champions and other promotions, even New Japan, that's a great point.
2: Now, that's a generalization. I could be wrong on that. I mean there's no one here – on the air to argue against what I'm saying. <laughs> and I didn't like do any research. So I'm sure like if someone really thought about it, but I mean, dude, like when Bret Hart was allowed to be the man, he was the man. When Shawn Michaels was allowed to be the man, he's the man, you know? Right. But when someone is not, allo- when it's Daniel Bryan and he's not allowed to be the man, Oh, he's better at chasing.
1: Right. When it's a, you know, a Dolph Ziggler, who's, you know, world heavyweight champion.
2: Yeah. I guess they're better at chasing. They're better at chasing. Cause you don't want to book them. Like your guy, like John Cena, or like Hulk Hogan, or like Kenta Kobashi, or like Samoa Joe, or like Danielson in ROH, or what have you. Ric Flair in the 80s, you know? Oh, Kerry Von Erich's better at chasing. He wasn't a strong champion. Well, you all you guys didn't make him a strong champion. The, the booking really does matter.
1: Mm, man, that's a great point. I, I definitely want to do some more research now, looking, looking back at some of these past champions, just kind of seeing... C-
2: could, could Naito be seen as the top guy if they just let him be the... And I'm not even advocating that he should be. I'm not a Naito, Mark. I'm just saying the logic of it. If Naito had been given a year-long reign, then people would see him as a year-long champion. But instead, he's had two two title runs, two successful title defenses, you know? He's better at chasing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't give him any good booking. You didn't give him you didn't give him a feud to stick his teeth into, or a personal vendetta, or any sort of length with the belt. So, I mean, whose fault's that?
1: Right. Uh, so, last question here from uh, Kevin from DC he says, "Where will your your level of interest in New Japan be if, and that's a huge if, Evil retains the belts against Naito at Jingu?"
2: Oh, we're already at rock bottom, Kevin. So, I mean, can't go much lower. We only got. You know, up from here to be. Uh, this is a, a win-win. You know, this is we can only go up. So I mean, if Evil retains, I'm exactly where I've where I've been all month at the bottom pits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: If, and, go ahead. And I was saying, if if Naito wins, then you know we start climbing up that hill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, if Evil retains, yeah, I don't think my interest level will. Dip any lower than it's at right now But I will say, I mean, I do I still have some other parts of the promotion That, that I'm still interested in Like I mentioned before, I, I, I like the never seen I like Shingo's never run, I think that's been great I like uh Golden Aces And Dangerous Techers I like the push of Hiromu uh, You know, why,
2: don't, why Why don't you save it for the year end Or the half year report, Jeremy
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, spoiling my, my thoughts Here early, but yeah, I mean, can, can
2: I tell you one thing though? I was kind of joking there. Here is the real truth. If Evil wins, it all depends on his performance. If Evil were to if Evil and Naito got there and put on a five-star classic and shut my mouth about how Evil is doesn't deserve to be there, then I could actually be happy. But if they go out there and they do what they did at Dominion, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Oh, I was I was bluffing about my interest. My interest could definitely go down. We we got a lot of ways to go, <laughs> <laughs> and we've only just begun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! Well, all right. Let's transition to something that's a little bit more positive. I think I don't. Well, I think you're excited about it. I'm excited about it. And
2: that... oh, bro, I'm, I'm so excited. Are we going to count New Japan? Uh, New Japan of America as a different promotion as New Japan because. They might actually have a chance at still winning promotion of the year if it's just New Japan of America.
1: Uh, I don't know. I think I've seen a lot of people, you know, counting it as a second, its own promotion.
2: <laughs> All right. So we got New Japan of America winning the Observer Awards, followed by AEW. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, And after that, stardom (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, on Friday, we had a press conference about New Japan of America And they officially announced NJPW Strong, which we talked about last week Which there was a teaser for at the end of the last episode of Lions Break Collision So we will have uh, New Japan Strong, which will be a weekly series on NJPW World Featuring talent of New Japan of America that will air uh, every Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern Time the first show will be on August 7th, and it will feature the opening round of the New Japan Cup USA, which will be a single elimination tournament featuring eight NJPW wrestlers currently in the United States. The opening rounds will feature Carl Fredericks versus Kenta, Jeff Cobb versus Tangaloa, David Finley versus Chase Owens, and Brody King versus Tamatonga.
2: You know that song uh, by Miley Cyrus, uh, Parting in the USA? Yeah. Like, for some reason, when I hear this, I hear, like, New Japan Cup in the USA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah, man.
2: Uh, this looks pretty awesome. Um, side note, I actually I can't say where I was or what I was doing because it's sort of uh, personal information. But uh, re- regardless, uh, I spent a little brief amount of time with Tanga the, uh this past
1: week. Nice. Did you uh, get get some deets on this tournament?
2: Uh, no, but some other individuals that I kind of uh, know, they 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 actually told me that this is all actually already occurred, um, and you know that they did some tapings, and and they wouldn't tell me who won anything. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> good. You don't want to be spoiled, man. Uh,
2: I I would like to be spoiled. <laughs> I would like to know all the answers and then come on the air like I'm Vince Russo and predict accurately everyone that's winning because I already know who's (laughs) winning.
1: Uh, Well, the semifinals for this thing will be happening August 14th, and the finals will take place on August 21st. The winner of the tournament will be able to challenge the IWGP United States champion, John Moxley.
2: No, they will be able to challenge for the IWGP United States title. Which happens to currently be held by John Moxley. Those are two different things, sir.
1: Well on, on the press conference when I watched, they said well, I guess they said they'll challenge the IWGP US champion at a future date. I can't remember yes. if they, if they they're said they're gonna
2: challenge for they're gonna challenge for the US title, whoever that champion possibly might be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: My I'm I'm wondering like, what if they win this thing and then moxley like vacates and then like who do they fight for the title you know do they just does it get handed to them like they're oscar they just get handed oh you didn't know it but when you won that tournament you also won the title here you go
1: <laughs> yeah I, i'm thinking you know eric bischoff 2002 when he's revealing the world title to um, he creates a world title for triple h you know, you know, the winner is gonna be there in the ring then, you know, somebody's gonna come out, Chris Charlton Chris Charlton's gonna come out with the belt, the black bag, and just hand the belt <laughs> to the winner. The velvet bag. Yeah.
2: Red velvet. I um my favorite thing is that they used the same design as the NWA title and then the later WCW title. They used the exact same belt. They called it by the same name. They're like, This is the world like, remember when the WCW title was like they're like WWE dead. So now it's just the world heavyweight title. Right. Then later they brought out a new world heavyweight title, same belt, same design, same name. And then they're like, but it has its own lineage. It is not the same belt. <laughs> but then, but then for like forever after that, WWE, every time they would talk about the lineage of that world heavyweight title, they'd show Harley race and sting and Ric Flair. And I'm like, it's not even the same belt. That, that shit started in 02 with Triple H. Right.
1: They'd be like, you know, great, great legends <laughs> held this title like Ric Flair. I'm like, he did?
2: Like No, <laughs> like, like Batista and Edge. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and Kali. <laughs> Ron Garvin never held that belt, sir. <laughs> uh,
1: we have Anyways. a lot of questions here about um, the U.S. Uh, uh, MJPW uh, New Japan Cup USA and New Japan Strong. So, first question here from a Rambone Slam pig. How great would it be if Brody King won the NJUSA Cup and began rampaging through New Japan like Godzilla in Tokyo? I think Kenta is winning the tournament, but a fella can dream.
2: Yeah, man, I I'm 100 percent behind that. I love monster heels, and Brody King is a guy that could be like a great Gaijin monster heel. Uh, we haven't had someone like that in a while, and um, yeah, I'm all about that.
1: Yeah, I would love Brody King. I've been a big fan of his work, especially the last couple of years, getting to see him more in action. And yeah, once the borders are opened up and we can get um, guys in over there, I, I would love Brody King to, to to run rampant over there. And I think he would be a great kind of surprise winner of this thing, but I don't I don't think he's going to end up winning.
2: Yeah, um, speaking of Monster Heels, I was listening to the the Thomas Island podcast recently, and they're talking. Uh, about one time where Fale was in the back and Elgin was like calling all these moves he was going to do to him, like give him a falcon arrow and all this stuff. And after he got done running through his whole set, in front of like the whole locker room, Fale just looked up and goes, I don't take those kind of bumps, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god, That's hilarious.
2: Anyways, uh, great question for him, Bone Slam Pig. Uh, next question from Viking Pain. He said... Any info as to why Jay Whiteo isn't in the U.S. New Japan Cup? Is he in New Zealand? And uh, I don't know the answer to that. Do you Do you know?
1: I don't know 100%. So, you know, last couple of weeks we've seen Jay White post pictures on his Instagram here in our lovely city of Tampa, Florida off of uh, Bayshore. And then we saw the Instagram posts, the 725 of him in the air. So... Not sure if he was flying to these tapings. Not sure if he was somehow flying to New Zealand. I don't know where exactly where he is. Um, you know, maybe they just didn't want Jay White in the U.S. tournament. Maybe they see him kind of above the U.S. division, and maybe he will be on NJPW Strong, feuding with somebody else, but just not in this U.S. tournament.
2: Well, one thing you got to take in consideration. Let's say he is available. Jay White is obviously a heavy favorite at that point to win something like this. And um, unless he's going all the way and fighting John Moxley or unless he's taking a very meaningful loss that's going to have, you know, long term you know lasting effects on the booking, there's no reason for him to actually be in this thing. So he may be here, he may maybe not, but regardless, I don't know if having Jay White in the tournament other than to add his name and prestige to the, you know, his legitimacy to the uh, tournament, I don't know that there's any good reason. And then, you know, probably the the Jay White haters out there are like, thank good riddance. <laughs> 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 Keep him away from our New Japan of USA. He's not even American.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, next question was very similar from ZD in the Discord asking any reason why Jay White wouldn't be in the New Japan Cup USA. He's in Florida, isn't he? Uh, so we've pretty much talked about that. Um, next question from Reddit user just a little bear zero one: If NJPW did a Lions Break Collision slash strong taping in Tampa, what local talent would you want to get a look?
2: Oh man, that is a great question. So, I mean, if we're talking local talent, like so, not New Japan talent, but like our boys.
1: Yes, uh, in our uh, in our streets.
2: Okay, so I mean, uh, Jeremy and me are big fans and supporters of the OAO. OAO, OAO. That is uh, Hunter Law, Troy Hollywood, and Snoop Strikes. You may Snoop. know. Him. <laughs> you may know him better from MLW as uh, what was his name there? Uh, Coto Brazil. Coto Brazil
1: as a part of Injustice with Myron Reed and um, I'm forgetting the white dude's name in their stable right now, but that guy. <laughs> oh, Jordan o- Oliver.
2: All three of those guys are, like, some of the top workers in the country. And I when I say that, I'm not even saying that facetiously or with any bit of sarcasm. They are three of the best workers in the entire, like, country. It's kind of crazy. Yeah,
1: they are incredible. Yeah, if you can YouTube these guys, try and find some of their matches. Like, these guys are great, great wrestlers.
2: Um, I mean, we never get asked about local stuff, but, like, I have an affiliation – with a group of uh, re- wrestlers that are training out here in the uh, local area. So um, some guys that I think should definitely get a uh, look at um, friends of mine, um, freaking Tony Donati and Fabu Andre. They have both recently been featured as uh, enhancement talent on new Japan or on AEW dark, uh, Train here locally two of the better wrestlers in the area I think that those are two guys that could definitely be Utilized
1: yeah one guy I would love to see Is the technical alchemist David Mercury um, Oh yeah he's one of the uh, Trainers at the Lethal Academy here in Tampa Florida and this guy You talk about you know technical wrestling This guy is so smooth Um, You know we've seen him tear the house down With guys like Jay Lethal and other um, You know Tampa Bay pro wrestling World title matches and this guy's awesome um, he's a guy like just so technically sound in the ring. He'd fit in perfectly.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Me and Jeremy and uh, Rich as well. What's up, Rich? Uh, you know, we'd spend $7 to go see a local indie show here, and uh, we'd see him wrestling on there. We're like, is he uh, like raw as hell? And are we paying like $7 to see this guy on a Sunday afternoon? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, some some of the bigger name talent that's in the area that you definitely got to consider, Matt Seidel, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Lethal, obviously. Um, I'm sure they both got nothing going on with COVID. You know, I, I don't think, I don't see Ring of Honor running. I don't see, uh, you know, um, Matt do anything with any other companies right now. If they ran shows here, why not have them? Both of them are New Japan alumni. I mean, that would make all the sense in the world to me.
1: Yeah. Um, another name of the local guy, the authority, Eddie Torres, um, a big hoss, uh, kind of striker guy, um, been in the Florida scene for a long time now. Really solid worker. He would. You know, well, I, if, you're, would if, you're,
2: if you're talking about hosses John Davis.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, John Davis. Uh, heck, do Torres versus Davis in, in in a you know a strong style match? That would be awesome.
2: I'm trying to think if there's any. Uh, I mean, a good friend of the show, Jamie. Um, just loves Tracer X. I don't even know if Tracer X is from here, but he wrestles here all the time.
1: So. <laughs> I, think, I think he's based in North Carolina. He did wrestle on one of the uh, New Japan shows, The New Beginning, when uh, the did, great...
2: Didn't he wrestle Okarn?
1: Yeah, he wrestled the Great Okarn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe we could have. Maybe we could get Tracer X up in here. I don't know. Those are the names that come to my mind uh, immediate Oh, Culture Inc. Mm, yeah, because Culture Inc. guys are really good. If you guys haven't seen Culture Inc., you should check them out. They're really freaking good. But, yeah, that's, those, those, those are the names I would think of. That's a lot of names.
1: Yeah. All right, next question from Reddit user Ogre Knee. Do you guys think with their big name Gaijin stuck in the States, we see more exchanges with Impact, ROH, and possibly AEW, since Moxley is defending and the Good Brothers are saying they are in New Japan soon?
2: Well, you know, I misspoke the other week where I said I didn't think we were going to see some of these West Coast based or East Coast based uh, New Japan guys wrestling on these shows. Obviously, I was incorrect uh, on that matter. But as far as, um, you know, talent exchanges with some of these other groups, I think it's going to be case by case. And I think it's going to be a lot rarer than uh, anything else. Um, maybe not so much with R- Ring of Honor, since they have a working relationship with them. But I don't see it too much with Impact at all. I don't see it too much with AEW at all. Um, and the only reason I would say not – maybe we'll see some with MLW is because a lot of those MLW guys have pretty much open contracts. And I mean they seem to – those contracts seem to be written on like you know toilet <laughs> paper. Like people can just get out of them. Like I don't know.
1: yeah. Yeah, obviously uh, ROH does make the most sense. Obviously, they've said several times the partnership is not over. We're seeing ROH star Brody King in this tournament. So, you know, Strong is going to be a weekly show. And, you know, Ring of Honor has not run a show since um, they shut down for the pandemic. So I'm sure there's a ton of Ring of Honor guys that are, you know, twiddling their thumbs and want to get back into action. So could we see...
2: Brian Malonius
1: <laughs> and the and the Bear City Bruiser, the Bouncers, yeah,
2: yeah, the uh, Bouncers. I, I was bouncers,
1: gonna, baby, I, I was gonna say, you know, somebody like Jonathan Gresham. Um, you you already mentioned Jay Lethal. Um, There's guys like that. That Marty. Mm, <laughs> don't know about that one, Chief.
2: <laughs> why? Why something happened? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, next question here from <laughs> Why did you do that, bro? Do you think New Japan can get Moxley to wrestle in an empty arena U.S. show to drop the belt to the NJC USA winner?
2: That is a great question, and maybe that question should lead us to a discussion of what we think is going to happen with this, uh, with these brackets, because that's got to be one of the key considerations as to who you think could win this thing. Because if, if hypothetically, one of them are trying to wrestle John Moxley. Is he a even going to be able to? Is he going to be allowed to wrestle uh, on a New Japan show on New Japan World in the states? And B, is there anyone here that could hypothetically even be believable to beat him for that belt if if that was the direction that New Japan's trying to go? You know, those are two things we got to really consider.
1: Right. Well, first to address, you know, whether or not John will be able to show up on NJPW Strong. What what I feel I feel like since NJPW Strong is not going to be Televised in the US And also there's going to be no fans I don't think it's, it should be seen As direct competition to AEW And I feel like Tony Khan Would want Moxley to just go ahead And drop the title not have to worry about it And I feel like he would send Mox over there For one taping For a big match, get the belt off And then maybe never wrestle there again Um uh,
2: but that's not that's not the old old school way of doing things if you're the world champion in one company you're not going to job out and drop the minor title the the literally the fourth like number 4 title in in your one of your competitors even if it's not on a cable station it is for market share of you know the wrestling economy that's out there right i don't know if that's realistic
1: Well, I guess maybe they wait until Mox drops the title. Maybe Mox is losing to MJF at All Out in September, and then...
2: After that promo Wednesday night, I don't see how that might not be the case. That's definitely a possibility.
1: Right, so yeah, maybe they wait until, yeah, Mox can drop the title, the AEW title, and then he can go over to Strong and face the New Japan Cup winner.
2: Dude, this is Gato's fault. He's the one who put the title on this, man. They had a perfect opportunity with Suzuki. Take that shit off of him. We could have been having Suzuki and Nagata U.S. title matches this whole time, but instead, Mox is over here on TV without the red belt, mind you. <laughs> that red belt has yet to be seen. We haven't seen that shit since February. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know if it exists anymore. Um, yeah, man. I I don't think I don't know. I I don't I don't know if John Moxley. Not, I'm not saying he wouldn't be willing to do business, but this is the Pac's, when Pac was the Dragon Gate champion situation all over again. I mean, any self-respecting booker and champion knows that you don't drop another less prestigious title. And if you do, I mean, I don't know. The only thing that makes me think maybe they could do it is if they do it quietly. But I feel like that he's too big of a name. It would, it would actually like be a huge uh, boost for New Japan.
1: Right, it would blow Strong up. Like, I think a, more, even more people be tuning in to Strong to, if, if John yeah. Moxley shows up,
2: bro. If I'm Tony Khan, there's no fucking way that happens. Like, I'm not giving you all the good charity. You know, they are gonna have Mox drop the belt, whether it's at this next pay per view or some other in the future. And you think I'm gonna build like build up all this goodwill just so my my dude can turn around and? do a job on your TV station before he does one on ours, even though it's not a TV station still on your, on your program before he does it for us. Hell no, hell no. It's not happening. He's, he's vacating that shit. All
1: right. So whether or not, whether he's vacating it or not, who do you see as the winner of this thing? I
2: really don't know. I think there's some really interesting brackets here. I'll tell you who can't win. Dave Finley cannot win, Chase Owens Cannot win, Tangaloa Cannot win But I think everybody
1: else could mm. Yeah
2: to, to, to varying degrees
1: So yeah, so Carl Fredericks, what, what's your, your thoughts there? I think Carl
2: Is someone that they have Really built this program around They elevated him They're Is the possibility, hypothetically, maybe, you know, he's facing Kenta in a match that was planned for the New Japan Cup originally, and we didn't know he was going to be graduated by that point. Who's to say he wasn't going to beat Kenta back then and that was going to be his big superstardom launch? On the other hand, with him taking losses to, you know, or a loss to Jeff Cobb, I think it's perfectly reasonable that he loses to a guy like Kenta, has a great showing, and maybe has future dates with him down the line. Um,
1: well, they could, if Fredericks does upset Kenta with Cobb and Fredericks being on the same side of the bracket, you could run it back and have Fredericks-Cobb rematch.
2: Yeah, I think there's a good chance that we get a Cobb-Fredericks rematch, uh, a very good chance of that. Um, otherwise, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways they could go with this, man, Um I think Carl Fredericks has a has a good shot at winning it, but I think Kenta and Jeff Cobb are two huge obstacles to get over. And then likely facing a Brody King or a Tamatonga on the other side of things is, you know, just a third monumental task. I think that's too much for Carl. I think I, I don't see him winning this thing. I he might I think if he upsets Kenta, that's enough of a star making performance to where he doesn't need to win this whole entire thing. But um, I, I think Kenta gets past him, honestly.
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I think Kenta is going to be the guy that takes us all. Um, yeah. It
2: makes the most sense. I mean, why not?
1: Right. I mean, I, I think looking at this list, I would say Kenta is probably. Would you not agree that Kenta's the biggest name out of all these eight guys?
2: Kenta's is the biggest name. He's got the most success in the company, even in the short time that he's been there. Um, he is a guy that hypothetically, if you did want to try and approach John Moxley with a big name, that's a name that you could hypothetically you know, offer him. That wouldn't be a complete and total insult. So, yeah, I mean and
1: – And Bullet Club's Kensa hot right now.
2: That's the other thing I was thinking. So, Kensa makes a lot of sense. It might be too on the nose, but – I mean, yeah, Kenta's a good. That that's a really, really good name. Plus, we we haven't really had any sort of, and it's kind of the running joke. There there haven't been any Japanese champions that have been U.S. champion. It's it's only been the white man.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, Kenta could be the first one to break the mold here.
2: Aside from that, we got uh, Tengaloa and Jeff Cobb. I don't think Tengaloa has a uh, chance at this thing, but Jeff Cobb is another guy that they've kind of built around. And he's also a free agent right now, and he wants to work more dates for New Japan in the future. He is someone you could actually go with in this situation. Plus, him and Mox got history.
1: Right, Cobb came in on AEW to be, you know, Jericho's hitman to take out Mox, and they had that match on Dynamite where Mox just barely escaped by and beat him.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying that that is going to play into things, but I mean, you know. Who knows, Cobb? Um, I mean, I don't know, man. Cobb is a guy who, like, AW was trying to get signed. If maybe that's someone that, hypothetically, they could do business with. With Jon Moxley and everything. On the other side of things, I like Finley. I love Chase Owens. Those are two guys I don't think really have a shot at this, personally. I think Brody King is a, is a great person. If you want to take him to the finals, or if you want to set him up as a challenger to lose to Mox, but I don't see him as being a U.S. champ just because he's unsigned and he's a Ring of Honor guy, basically. Right. Yeah, Uh, but he he's he's a good candidate for a B block finalist.
1: Yeah, you could do you know Brody versus Kenta as a final, or Brody versus Cobb, kind of a you know kind of a big Hoss match there or Fredericks if he happens to get by everybody. Right, and like you mentioned, that would be like that last obstacle for him to get over.
2: Now, here's one last thing to throw out there. I do think Tamatanga is a dark horse candidate. He's he's the least likely of the people that I see, but you know, they're not going to be going back to Japan for a while. Um they don't really have a tag team division in this company right now. There's nothing for G.O.D. to do, and Tamatanga is a guy that is an ambassador for this company. He's been an OG riding with them for a long time. His podcast is doing very well, and he might not be the worst person to potentially be another U.S. champion. Again, the Bullet Club thing. I, I Am I crazy on that?
1: No. I think, yeah, I think Tamatonga is just one of those – I think we just picture him so much as – this tag team guy, especially after last year where he's like, I just want to focus on tag team wrestling, but you made a great point. There is no tag titles currently in new Japan of America. So what are you going to do with GOD? I mean, you can do just random tag matches, but there's nothing really mean much. So yeah, I mean, you could have a surprising Tamatanga winning the whole thing. Tamatanga versus Cobb, Tamatanga versus Fredericks and in, in the finals. And then Tamatanga takes it. Um,
2: my finals, You know what? I, I know I'm speaking out of my mouth here, but I'm just going to say fuck it. My final is Carl Frederick and Birdie King.
1: Mm, nice. you going big on the Alpha Wolf. I don't
2: know, man. Like he, He's not as young as people think he is. Like If they're going to pull the trigger on him, just pull the trigger on him. Um, he actually was featured this week on the uh, New Japan Official podcast as well, and he had some interesting things to say.
1: Yeah, I heard that.
2: I, I like Carl Frederick's... Um, He's got a dangly earring. He's got some some uh, tassels. Fuck him up.
1: <laughs> I love. Let's do it. I love Fredericks too. I'm just. I'm just not. I'm just not that confident that they're just gonna go with him all the way right now. Maybe they will. I'm, I hope, I'm not either. I think it'd be cool if they did. but uh, for right now, I'm seeing. I'm going Kenta Brody King as my finals.
2: Brody King is so imposing as a finalist guy that I think the best story that you could tell. Is having an underdog like Fredericks against him, and then you have an opportunity to make either one of them. Yeah. Regardless of who you go with. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, let's move on. Uh, was it?
1: So we left off at uh, King DW five ten in the Discord it says, "Do you guys think the pandemic might be sort of a blessing in disguise for NJPW US in the long run because this weekly studio show seems to be a lot better than doing the sample size touring they had planned out."
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that we talked about their touring method and how it was very antiquated and, you know, not on the nose uh, for what's needed in this kind of environment marketplace. And a show like this, while it's not ideal, it's a better step in the right direction. Uh, reminds me a lot more of what New Japan was doing, or uh, I'm sorry, what the NWA was doing with power. Um, in fact, I would like to see them borrow some more elements from that sort of program. Um but yeah, I mean, we don't know what strong is going to be, but I, I do think in a sense it might be a little bit of a benefit to them.
1: Yeah, we've kind of talked about this when we talked about the American expansion and when they brought the map out. And we, you know, it'd be a better idea overall if you just did, you know, four big shows and how important it would be to get weekly TV and get a weekly TV show. So I like this weekly show. Um, you know, I, I hope it's something that sticks around for quite some time and that it can grow and it could be something cool. You know, when – we can get fans back at shows. Like, Go to those those towns that you have mapped out and do strong tapings in those towns. Dude,
2: off topic, I just got a text uh, from my girlfriend, and she said that they just announced something called Raw Underground. I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the next question from Oscar Rooney says, with Westerners now able to wrestle New Japan strong from 1 to 10, how stir-crazy is Osprey getting... Uh, being stuck in Europe. Let me just say this. This man is so stir-crazy that after just a few weeks of quarantine, he wrestled his girlfriend in an empty arena. So who the fuck knows what Will Ospreay, after six months of not wrestling, is like?
1: Well, you know, there, there have been reports about him um you know being depressed and i think there were a couple of suicidal i was i wasn't comments. gonna go that way
2: <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't gonna go that way
1: <laughs> um but i mean i do think it, it is affecting his mental health and i know a lot you know he's not you know a big fan of a lot of people with just all the allegation stuff going on as well but yeah it does seem like he's you know having a very hard time right now
2: listen um i hope that all, all joking aside i hope he uh Has a strong support system and is able to kind of get through whatever personal struggles he has uh, during these trying times and uh, is able to return to do what he loves and uh, what we love to watch him do. Yeah. Um, Kevin from DC says, which belt do you see Moxley dropping first? The AW uh, Championship at All Out to MJ Mother Flippin' F or the US belt at whatever show features him versus the winner of the Strong Tournament? I think he's going to drop – The U.S. title first via forfeit. I think he's going to vacate it.
1: Um, Well, since All Out is right around the corner, it's September September 5th. And I think, well, this tournament, I think, will finish probably the weekend before All Out. So it is possible he could vacate before All Out. But I'm going to go ahead and say that he drops a belt to MJF at All Out before he drops or vacates the U.S. title.
2: Now, here's the thing. You're assuming he loses MJF. Now, if he retains against MJF...
1: Then he's definitely vacating.
2: Then he's definitely vacating, in my opinion. So, uh, I think I'm still right either way, even though I didn't realize, um, you know, that All Out was so soon. I also don't know when his 90 days is up. I know someone on Reddit posted about it, but I think uh, I don't think that's too far away anyways.
1: Oh, uh, the, uh, the six-month limit as champion?
2: That's right, his six-month limit. Although, I thought it used to be 90 days in New Japan, and then they changed it to six. I don't know. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I know In the last but, couple of years, they've they've talked about the whole six-month thing. That's why Jericho was able to hold the IC title for so long with only uh, two defenses.
2: Um, you know what's, fu- what's funny? They've had other people that have been injured before and unable to make a defense, and they've made them vacate almost immediately, right? Mm-hmm. But... Right now, we know that Show and Yo are going to be indefinitely on hold because of Yo's injury, and they're not making them vacate. And it's only because they don't know what to do in the meantime. Right. It's like, oh, they got six months plus time added. Well, they, they <laughs> did when, say,
1: like, for Hiromu, they said, like, no, due to the pandemic, they're extending out the six months because Hiromu had had a junior title right. defense.
2: Right, but there was, there was times where, like, different guys like Evil was – injured and they made them vacate like the tag titles or like Mox couldn't make it because of a natural disaster oh you gotta come off that shit real quick <laughs> not consistent man
1: <laughs> um so one last uh thing related to new japan of america there's also one other name besides jay white that was missing juice that's juice. right juice Juice Robinson So right after this tournament was announced um, New Japan put out that Juice Robinson Is currently unable to compete due to a Right leg injury Um, So due to that right leg injury He's not going to be able to be a part of Forthcoming NJPW Strong Broadcast And will not be able to take part in The New Japan Cup USA So
2: You know how that man injured his leg right?
1: (laughs) Doing some uh, extracurricular activities.
2: It's it's what we've been saying about Juice since day one when this podcast started. Juice fucks. That's how he messed up his leg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. So now we have... Uh, oh,
2: also, I want to say, I know he is for sure because he came off that dopey ass half afro and that Fu Manchu village people mustache and... Boy, oh boy, is he looking dapper. I mean, I'm straight, but dang it. If, uh,
1: (laughs) well, hey, man, he he saw Tony Storm and he was like, I I need to clean up. If I want to, bro,
2: Tony Storm made him a changed man. He's ready, bro, he's ready for an IWGP title run. Let me tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so next topic we're going to talk about is the never six man tournament. So this was also announced this past weekend. Um, we, we know, I am not. Go ahead. Well, I'm
2: what, sorry. What? Uh, no, I'll make my point. You can make. You can do the formal thing, and then I'll do the funny thing.
1: <laughs> okay. So uh, we know that Shingo, Evil, and Bushi were the champions, but they're obviously vacating the title due to Evil's turn. And in a backstage promo, Evil said that uh, he didn't want to. Obviously, had no desire to keep the championship. So a tournament is going to be held this week to determine new never open weight six man tag champions as a single elimination eighteen tournament. Starts on August 6th, and the finals will be taking place on August 9th, all events being held at Corkin Hall.
2: You know how all those uh, memes start with, like, a girlfriend who's mad? She's like, I just think it's really funny how...
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And
2: and then dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I just think it's really funny how Evil talks about how he has no interest in holding this this title, so he's allowed to vacate it. But my man Naito couldn't do that shit with the icy title, like I suggested... Months ago, and we wouldn't be in this mess where the titles are all tied up to you know in a double title.
1: Well, in kayfabe— I just think it's real funny. In kayfabe, Nitel wants to defend them both just separately.
2: My other problem is I was hoping that this was going to be a very WWS or I'm sorry, WCW esque sort of situation. You remember when Sting joined. NWO Wolfpack, but then he was tag team partners with the giant and giant went NWO Hollywood. And so then they had to split the titles and then they had to fight each other to to determine which one got to be the true tag team champions. And then they they could pick their own champion. That's what I wanted them to do. (laughs) I I want, I want evil to get his boys. And I wanted who, who were his partners to begin with. I don't remember. Uh,
1: well, who he who he who he would team up with now in Bullet Club?
2: No, who were the champions? It was Evil him and Shingo, Sh- Shingo and Bushi. Okay, I just didn't know which Lij members were with him, so I was hoping maybe Bushi and Shingo could you know either pick Romu or Naito or Sonata or whoever, and then they could face off to determine who the true six man t- champions were. That would have been a lot easier. Now we got now we got a multi-night tournament that's another funny thing this company they run out of ideas they don't know what to do they're missing some titles they're like i got an idea let's have a t- tournament fuck it let's run three <laughs> at the same time <laughs> i
1: don't know man i love tournaments and i'm actually uh, pretty excited about this never tournament <laughs>
2: You're excited. We just talked about how the King of Pro Wrestling tournament is for like the least prestigious title, but we forgot to mention that they're running a, a tournament for the six man titles. And you're like, I'm excited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so let's talk about some of these teams here. So on August 6th, we'll have the Chaos team of Okada, Toriano, and Cho taking on the Bullet Club team of Yujiro, Jado, and Gato. So you
2: tell me, I gotta watch Yujiro and Okada wrestle again.
1: Yes. And you have to wrestle Giotto, watch Jado wrestle again as well.
2: You're also telling me that someone thought it was a good idea to put Jado, Ghetto, and Ujiro on the same team in a tag team match. It, has there ever been a worse trio? Has there ever been a worse trio in the history of professional wrestling?
1: No, I think this pretty much qualifies for the, the worst six-man unit ever. Holy fuck.
2: I mean, I love Giotto and Ghetto. I- if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at
0: MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Do. I
2: do. Just not in 2020.
1: Well, they don't care. 30 years is biz.
2: This is cooked. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Another tag team we got, we got Sonata Shingo and Bushi.
1: Yep. Got to be heavy favorites. Yeah, taking on the Suzuki-Gun team of Minoru, Elsperado, and Doki. Yep.
2: Yeah, uh, another tag team on August seventh. We have a match: uh, Bushi, Tanahashi, and um, someone who's exactly on the same level as them. So I don't, I don't know how this team's even going to take pins. But uh, Master Wato.
1: Yeah, and they're taking on the, another Suzuki-Gun team of Zack Saber Jr., Taichi, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Yeah, it's a powerful team there. Kota Ibushi, Tanahashi, Master Wato, the the, the blue golden aces. Um, Bro,
2: I, I got to assume that whoever made these teams had to have been from the IWGB committee because there's no way that Suzuki-gun decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to split Suzuki, Zach, and Taichi because if they would have kept – Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack together They would have run roughshod over this tournament Instead, they're like, nah, we need some Pin eaters on each side, we gotta keep it fair (laughs) Yeah,
1: it'll be interesting to see what they do there And then also on that night, we have Tomioka Hanma, Togi Makabe, and Rishike Taguchi taking on the Chaos team Of Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto And Yoshihashi
2: I wanted to make a joke and say Hanma, Makabe And Taguchi are uh, You know, team just have fun, but I mean Almost that exact team has held these titles together before.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Uh, just change Hanma out for Ishii, uh, or I'm sorry for uh, Yano. So this is this is, is kind of an interesting uh, concept, and it's not one I totally hate. Uh, you know, a little mini tournament. We got a bunch of six man tags. We're gonna crown a new uh, champion. And the fun thing with, I mean, what depending on your opinion, and how you view it, the never titles can be held by anybody. So I mean. We could either be seeing like the top team in the tournament, you know, like a monster team, uh, or we could be seeing like a goofy team like Yujiro, Jado, and Ghetto hold this shit, and it really don't matter either way, honestly. Kind of like the king of pro wrestling title.
1: Yes, the never six man titles, you know, are on the low uh, part of the totem pole here in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and those belts normally switch hands very quickly, like hot potato. But. I have a hard time seeing Yujiro, Jado, and Gato getting out the first round here.
2: I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm just saying anything can happen because it's the Tiles and it doesn't matter. Right. It depends what story they want to tell. I mean, it's, this is just a keep busy deal. Um, so, I mean, let's just go through it real quick. So, I think, obviously, you think the Chaos team is beating Bullet Club team night one, right? Right. I'd agree with you. So, what are we thinking when it comes to LIJ versus uh, Suzuki-Goon?
1: This is a hard one here. So you have on both sides, so there are pin eaters on both sides, Bushi on the L.I.J. side and Doki on the Suzuki-gun side, but Doki is very small. It's very further down the low totem pole than Bushi, and we've seen any time Doki's in a multi-man tag, he's eating the pin. However, there is one interesting thing to think about. Uh, I know we're going we're gonna to talk about Suzuki and Nagata a little bit later on, but post-match, Suzuki you know, said he's doing something Um, He has something planned for what he wants to do next, so we could have Suzuki pinning Shingo in this match that could set up a singles never title match from possibly Jingu.
2: I'm ready for that. The other thing I was thinking is if Suzuki moves on to the next round, then there might be some heat with him and Okada over the King of Pro Wrestling title moniker.
1: I think he will be more worried about Toriyano. There's, there's some old beef there that he might want to take care of.
2: There's old beef there. There's always going to be beef there. That's eternal. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, it could go either way. I don't I, – I, I'm going to go just keep it spicy. I'm going to go uh, Suzuki-gun here.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Suzuki-gun also. So that would put Chaos versus Suzuki-gun there on that side of the bracket.
2: Well, which I think a lot of people see as a shock because the previous – Two, two of the three guys on the uh, Lij team, you know, were the previous uh, title holders. I think the laziest thing you could possibly do is put these never belts right back on, on Lij. They could they could do that easily, but I think that would be the most uninspired decision out of all of them.
1: Right at that point, they should have just said, you know, free rules, and they took the belt from yep. Evil and just gave it to uh, Sonata.
2: The only reason they might not want to want to do that is they're like, dude, these uh, road to shows are killing us. We need uh, <laughs> we need to change it up. Yeah. Um, August 7th, we got Abushi Tanahashi and Masuato. What do you call them? You call them the the, uh,
1: the blue golden, the blue ace. golden aces. The, the way to the grand aces.
2: <laughs> oh, I love that. The way <laughs> to the grand aces. Yes. Completely get rid of the golden shit entirely. Like. Yes. Uh, make Ibushi the afterthought, just like he's kind of been this entire year. Um,
1: <laughs> Damn.
2: Uh, <laughs> so we got them against uh, Dangerous Techers and Kanemaru. My concern here, obviously you got two uh, pin eaters, there's Wato and Kanemaru, but, you know, with Wato, you know, I think the idea at some point was to kind of elevate him and they kind of just slot him in as like a, slightly above doki sort of status in this company we've already seen him uh take pinfalls i don't think that's the best way to get this guy over man i really don't he's a new character you know um he talked recently on the new japan website during his interview about how he had originally planned to come in and initially challenge Hiromu for the title well that ship has long passed because this guy's been getting beaten in multi-man matches and I don't think they should do that again, but unfortunately I think it's a possibility.
1: Right, I guess it's, it all depends where they're going really with the Dangerous Techers Golden Aces story, so we know the whole story now is... Ibushi. Nah,
2: fuck that, it's about it's about Tanahashi <laughs> and Watson, but that's
1: what this story is about. Uh, we've seen that uh, Tanahashi and Ibushi, they've both been wanting to pin Saber or Taichi so they can get another shot at the tag titles, and then also we've kind of seen a little friction between Ibushi and Tanahashi, and you know, Abushi kind of being a little disappointed in uh, Tanahashi's performances, and Tanahashi, you know, crying, saying, I, "I've tried my best, I'm, and I, I want, I want us to win. I'm trying hard, Abushi."
2: Bro, that's how I feel every day. That's what I have. That's like my internal conversation that I have with both of my personalities. <laughs> like literally, um, you know, we didn't talk the other week about uh, when they were leaving, like when they won their multi match, and um, on their way out. Uh, Tanahashi like instead of like hugging the people and like wiping their sweat he would like point at them and then hug himself and then like like it is like the cutest thing ever in the history of New Japan
1: <laughs> dude that's why that man is you know number one babe face in the world
2: yeah uh well this will help me so on the next side we've got Hanma Makban Taguchi versus Ishii Goto and Yoshihashi so I mean the winner of this match is going to go on against those guys. Does it make more sense to have a heel team like Suzuki Gun go up against one of those two teams, or could we do an all Hantai slash chaos sort of mix? I'm going to call it right now. I think the Golden Aces are winning just because I think they need something to set up their future title shot. That make, and I don't. I don't think Guato should take another fall. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna say Golden. Golden
1: Aces and uh, Master Watto win here. Man, I'm so conflicted here, man. I, I think I it think can go either way, but I'm going to ride with you. Way uh, to the Grand Aces are going to win.
2: Nice. So finally, we got Hanma, Makabe, and Taguchi mm-hmm. against Ishii Goto and Yoshihashi. Um, I think Chaos is winning here. It could go either way, but, I mean, one team's looking a lot stronger than the other. So,
1: Yeah, I think it pretty much has to be the Chaos team here.
2: So, um, let's move on to the rest of the tournament, real briefly. So we, we got the semi main main event. So we've or the semifinals. So we've got uh, Okada, Yano, Yano, and and Show. We're both predicting um, Suzuki Gun. So who do you see winning there? Okada, Yano, and Show, or Suzuki Desperado, and Doki?
1: Um, I'm gonna say Suzuki Gun. I'll.
2: I'll follow you just because it doesn't matter. And I don't really have any in-depth thoughts here. So Suzuki goon. And then, um, <laughs> a- after that, we got way to the grand aces versus, um, chaos. And it's like, who's taking that fall. Is it Watto or Yoshihashi? Uh,
1: I think it has to be Watto. He's a junior and he's new.
2: That makes sense. So on the final, but at the same time, it kind of depends. I mean, um, I don't know. Yeah, so, fine. okay, fine. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. So, Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi against uh, Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Doki. Are you thinking Yoshihashi's winning his first belt in this company? Because I can't, I literally won't stand for that.
1: I think he is. I, th- I think Chaos is going to walk away. Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi Not. are going to walk away with these six man titles. How dare
2: you? That is a disgrace. Let me tell you right now, Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Doki are winning these never six man <laughs> tag team titles. Doki, Doki is going to hold gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling before Yoshihashi ever fucking does. Mark my words.
1: I don't know, man. That that Chaos team is a pretty a pretty stacked team.
2: Yeah, but it's Yoshihashi,
1: and
2: Yoshihashi doesn't win gold.
1: Neither does Doki. <laughs> No, so. nah,
2: Doki's never had gotten the chance. When he gets a chance, he comes through. He's clutch. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I really don't know. I mean, this tournament can go, bro. Who? This tournament's not predictable at all. Like it could go any number of ways. You're probably right, but
1: who knows? We'll see. Uh, so we had two questions here. Uh, first, from Rambo and Slam Pig. He says Jado, Gato, and Ujiro are a team in the never six man tournament. <laughs> Do you think the ring can hold all that dynamic energy, or will it collapse before Jado finishes his five minute walk from the back?
2: This is essentially I don't know if you ever saw an episode of SmackDown, but there was this really classic episode of SmackDown where Brock Lesnar suplexed the big show off of the top rope and destroyed the entire wrestling ring. That's yeah. basically what you Yeah, that's what you got when you got Jado Ghetto and Yujiro together.
1: Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna be able to handle that. That trio, <laughs> that, that energy that they're gonna bring.
2: <laughs> uh, next question from J Tom 4 six we're just not that like we're just gonna k it. J Tom four sixteen says, um, are we all in agreement that Suzuki is pinning Shingo and is this finally Yoshihashi's time to win a title? Well Looks like he's got his uh, finger on the pulse because those are two things. Did you read his comment before you made it, your predictions? Did you steal from him?
1: I did not steal from him. I thought that there was a good chance Suzuki would pin Shingo and then his question came in after I had my thought. So I did not I st- don't
2: I don't think he's pinning Shingo. I think it would be more likely that he could. I think it would be more likely that maybe he wins the match or actually they don't even have to win the match. A post a post-match brawl, regardless of who wins, could easily re- uh, result in, um, you know, in a feud and a match between them.
1: Right. So yeah, I think we're going yeah, single, Suzuki Shingo, regardless of who wins. But I, I could see Suzuki either pinning maybe Bushi or pinning Shingo.
2: Hey, we are getting messages right now in the group chat telling us to turn the show off and go watch Raw right now. <laughs> Do you want to go look and see what it is and pause for two seconds? Yeah. Okay. So unfortunately, we uh, we took a break there just to kind of like try and go see what was going on with Raw Underground because people were blowing us up in the dimensions and uh, we missed it. I came out there it's just Street Profits. And I'm just going to have to catch it tomorrow, I guess.
1: Yeah. I don't know what all, all the hubbub was about. I mean, underground, they should be wondering what's going on under in their pants and making sure that everything is, you know, clean and tidy under there using the Lawnmower <laughs> 3.0.
2: I was like, "Where are you going with this?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we got to plug our Manscaped man, the Lawnmower 3.0. You know, the new and improved um, ball trimmer from Manscaped. They spent 18 months perfecting this thing. Um, you know, we t- we've talked about that for several weeks now. It's the Omega Okada of razors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Their third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blades, reduced manscaping accents. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. I fired up the lawnmower 3.0 this morning and when I tell you it's premium, I mean it's the best. Uh, battery will last you up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. Um, one of the best things I like about it, they have a feature with LED light, so you know you can get closer shave, more precise trimming and kind of just see what you're doing down there.
1: Yeah, and also they've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. If you are hearing us talk about the Lawnmower 3.0, we want you to experience it firsthand. We want you to go to manscaped.com, use our promo code suplex. You get 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using our code suplex. You support social suplex, you support keeping it strong style. You'll support yourself because you'll be um, grooming and, you know, taking care of all that business and, you know, preparing for whatever comes your way.
2: It's the best deal out there, guys. Take advantage of it. Let's talk about Summer Struggle, July 31st, which closed out the wild and wonderful month of July. That is New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: Yes. So we had Summer Struggle opened up. We had Hiroki Goto. Tomohiro Toro Yano and Yoshihashi defeating the team of Gabriel Kidd, Rishikaguchi, Satoshi Kojima, and Yotatsuji via Yano for Schoolboy on Yotatsuji. Uh,
2: match number two, the Losengabla de Hapon team is not and Shingo defeated Togi Makbe and Tomoaki Hanma via Skull. And one quick thought. Is it just me? Or is Hanma looking a lot healthier and a lot better in the ring than he has like in
1: forever? You know, I saw you mention that in, in the group chat, and honestly, uh, I don't know, to me, he feels about the same. Like, to me, I was watching this match, and he was kind of bumbling around. or some spots that were kind of missed, especially with him and, like, Evil. And I don't know, man. I, I think he's about the same.
2: There were, there were some botches at the end of the match, but for some reason, he just... Looks stronger and healthier. Like he just seems better. I'm not saying he's ever going to be what he was, but he just looks better to me. Anyways, um, match number three, we had Suzuki-gun team of Doki, El Desperado, Taichi, Yoshinabu Kanemaru, and Zack Saber Jr. defeating the Golden Aces team of uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota along with Tenzan, Wato, and Yuimura.
1: Yes, and we have a few questions here revolving so the the Golden Aces storyline. So first question from Reddit user Who Day Forty Two. Where do you think they're going with the Golden Aces story? Do they just win the belts back? Do they blow up and have a fight at the January 4th show or something else?
2: I don't really know, um, to be honest with you. I mean, I think the the thing there is if they were to to regain the titles, speaking of the Golden Aces, they're kind of back in the same position they were before. It's like who do they have ready to face them? What's a compelling story for two guys with their stature? Versus, if you have a heel team like the uh, Dangerous Techers kind of in the, in the driving seat they have a variety of different opponents that they could potentially face um, also this thing could even I'm not saying I am advocating for this but it could extend out to a trilogy long term I don't know but I like, I like those uh, ideas you threw out I like uh, the idea of a feud between the golden aces uh, so I mean I'm not opposed to that I'm not opposed to getting the belt back. I I honestly am in a position right now. I don't know what's happening.
1: Yeah, like you mentioned, I think it could go either way. There is a, obviously a great story there, and them winning the titles back, and actually, you know, maybe having a little bit of a run with it. And then there's also the story you know they've been telling with Ibushi you know, being frustrated with Tanahashi, and maybe this is the thing that gets Abushi out of this tag team. And it's like you know what, I I thought I wanted this to be in this team with my my you know my hero. But really, I want, i just want to focus on me and you know go singles. So there's, that's always a possibility as well. Um, next question we had from Reddit user Viking Pain. He says, "Heal abushi yay or nay?" Ah,
2: uh, I don't know, yay.
1: Um, I don't know. I feel like with with evil and a bullet club, I feel like, and we have Suzuki and I feel like we're really heavy on you know. The heel you know side of things And I think we could have A split between Ibushi And Tanahashi I think it could Lead to a match but I don't think it necessarily means Like Kota Ibushi is going to be you know this All of a sudden this super prick and it's Going to start cheating to win You know maybe he's more aggressive may be, Maybe 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 A slight maybe more just Kind of standoffish to baby faces but I don't See a full out heel turn here
2: I mean I I uh don't really care. I mean, I think Kota Ibushi is great in the role of face. But the thing is, is he needs to um, – I'm at a point where I'm ready to see them actually put the strap on the guy. You know, He's done almost everything else that there is le- it to possibly be done in the company. He's held every single title that's out there virtually. He's won almost every single tournament. He's told a lot of different stories. It's time to, to go with him. And um, if you're not going to do that in a face capacity, why not let him stretch his wings and try out being a a heel? I'm not opposed to that at all. So, I mean, I'm not advocating for it, but sure, I'm cool with it.
1: Uh, Next question from Reddit user, Agent Wallaby. When will Ibushi finally reach his limit with the so-called aces, narcissistic tendencies, and skadoosh this man and throw up some Suzuki-gun gang signs? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think a lot of the, uh, I think a lot of that stuff is sort of like us as fans sort of like interjecting our feelings or stories,, uh, our insights on the story. Not to say that it's ever wrong, but it's like I don't know necessarily that they're specifically telling a story about Tanahashi being a megalomaniac or a narcissist or anything like that. They could go that way. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what they're telling. You know, oftentimes they just throw a little bit of dissension in there, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I really haven't really got the vibe of narcissistic tendencies from Tanahashi in the backstage promos or anything in this storyline. Um, I think more the key is just the fact that they've been losing and have not been winning is kind of the big issue here.
2: The thing with New Japan, what I've noticed, and it's it's kind of beautiful, is like you only know what the story truly is once they decide to tell it. And that might sound very basic in, in what I'm saying. But what I mean by that is you can try and follow the trail. But until they like pull the trigger and say – and like blatantly tell you, OK, this is the story that we've been telling, you don't really fully know. You know what I mean? You look at the evil storyline – kind of saw him doing heelish tactics, showing a more rugged side during the New Japan Cup. But until he like turned – went full heel and joined the book club, you weren't entirely sure what the story really even was. You know what I mean? Right. And that happens, that happens a lot in New Japan. So you can pick up on elements of, of a perceived story, but until they commit to it as the bookers and the storytellers, you're never quite sure. And that's kind of nice because it keeps you on your toes. You're never really quite sure. You think you might have an inkling of an idea, but, you know, how many times have we heard people talk about taichi Goon or Zack Goon because they're picking up on the clues, and it's never really panned out. Maybe one day it will. Who knows?
1: Yeah, but if Ibushi um, leaves Tanahashi, I don't think he's going to join another stable. I think he'll just kind of be on his own.
2: Maybe. I mean, maybe Tanahashi needs to go heal.
1: Hey, that would be interesting. Uh, last question uh, here from Kevin from DC. Can we all remind ourselves that Master Watto is twenty three and has plenty of time to get better?
2: I uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're talking to the wrong podcast, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I love me, man. Dude, I'm I'm all in on Master Watto. We,
2: we fucking love Watto, dude.
1: In, in the Largo Loop group chat, it's it's Watto love all day.
2: No, it's okay. So here's the funny thing. So like. For some reason, uh, the entire – we have a group chat that all the people in our group chat, like except for a couple people, for some reason love QT Marshall. And uh, I think it's because he does like flips and it's kind of like ironic that he's like kind of good but also doesn't look marketable. Is that basically the gist of it?
1: What are you talking about? QT is raw. All
2: right. So that's what I'm talking (laughs) about. Like anytime you try to like get a real answer, everyone's like QT is raw and they like no sell everything you're saying. That's sort of like what the Watto thing is, except it's more genuine because Watto has a lot of upside. Like you say, he's 23 and he is raw. Like, sure, he doesn't have all the pieces together, but let me tell you something. I watched quite a bit of Watto and CMLL. Anyone that wants to complain about Watto and New Japan, just fuck off and go watch some CMLL and tell me, tell me you'd rather watch him in, uh, you know, that, that you'd rather watch those matches than these ones. Now that's not a false dichotomy. That's a real dichotomy because we could have either had him here or had him there, and he's much better here than he was there. Trust me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I've been loving Wachtel. I think he's been looking great in the multi-mans. Love all the knees, the kicks, the flips. Uh, I'm loving it,
2: bro. He's he's raw. He's raw, bro. He is. <laughs> um, next match: Okada and Show defeat the Bullet Club team of Gato and Yujiro. Thank God. Um. After that, we had the Bullet Club team of Evil and Taiji Ishimori with Dick Togo defeat the Lij team of Bushi and Tetsuya Naito via Scorpion Deathlock.
1: Wow, a nine-minute Evil match. Can we can we get more of those?
2: <laughs> I didn't like this one either.
1: I didn't, but at least at least it was short. <laughs> but that um, that brings us to the uh, the big main event of the evening. We've had weeks and weeks in build since the New Japan Cup in Japan. Minoru Suzuki versus Yuji Nagata.
2: Yeah, man. Um, this was a match that was built on pride, hatred, disgust, embarrassment, revenge, vengeance, blood filled. I mean, it was awesome. Um, the story here, Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki have a long-standing rivalry going back years and years and years, contemporaries of similar generation. And, um, most recently they faced off against each other in the first round of the new Japan cup, uh, had just an absolute barn burner of a match where Minoru Suzuki was, or where Yuji, Yuji Nagata was able to pick up a somewhat unexpected, uh, surprise victory over Minoru Suzuki and ever since then Suzuki has sort of had revenge on his mind they've been going you know every time they're in a multi-man match together they're just jaw jacking going face to face throwing elbows throwing kicks and you know it all led to another singles match between these two individuals and uh this did not disappoint um one of my favorite matches of the month one of my favorite matches of the year man
1: yeah, this was just awesome. These two legends just beating the crap out of each other. Twenty minutes of strikes, uh, chops, slaps, forearms. It, it was a brutal war. Headbutts. There was a spot where Suzuki, you know, gave Nagata a shoot headbutt that echoed throughout Corken and Hall, and that uh, man, that was just sickening uh, sound to hear. Uh, but yeah, and also, you know, the whole big thing here, you know In the first matchup in the New Japan Cup this year The whole story was, like you mentioned, Nagata caught Suzuki off guard with the backdrop hold And so, you know, towards the end of the match, Suzuki's, or, Nagata was trying to get that backdrop hold And Suzuki refuses to get that backdrop hold, you know, take that hold again So he's wrenching in that headlock and fighting and fighting And you know, not making sure Nagata can hit that backdrop suplex It was awesome
2: yeah, um, when the whole time I was watching it, I kept telling myself because I loved the first match they had so much, um, and that one had a very simple, basic, easy to follow story, and it was extremely violent and extremely vicious. And while I was watching this match, I was like, "This is great," but I don't like it as much as the first match. I going and kept going and kept building and kept growing, and this was a little more. Convoluted of a story It wasn't quite as easy to follow It was definitely a different kind of match But as it kept going That whole thing about me Liking the first match more Kept diminishing and diminishing And diminishing. And then towards the final stanza Of the match I just was like Dude I don't know which match I like better Because this is the same level It is so good um, This was very 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 violent I mean I was just like on the edge of my seat jumping up and down, like, you know, when you get visceral reactions from me, that's when you know, like, you're doing something well. And, uh, you know, we talk about Rich Latta pro wrestling. This is Josh Smith pro wrestling. Like, <laughs> this is young boy approved. This was just so incredible. And I loved the ending when Suzuki, like, had him in the gotch position and he's just slowly wrenching back. I was like, this motherfucker has it. And, like, it took forever for him to actually get to the position. But they do that a lot in his matches where he'll start to put someone in a gotch. He'll get them to a halfway point or three-fourths of the way, and then they'll get out. But in this case, he just kept slowly going back, and they kept making you think maybe Nagata's going to get out. Nah. And then (laughs) even when he dropped the gotch, it wasn't even in the full-on, like – full position like it was sort of like a little tilted and then he dropped him anyways and and i i was like that's it he put him away there were i don't know if there were any pinfall attempts aside from that final pinfall attempt
1: i don't think like, there were like literally for you know 20 minutes of the match they were just on their feet chopping and striking each other you know at one point suzuki did attack nagata's leg on the outside he had it wrapped it against the the, the uh, guard rail and attacked it with a chair and then was working some uh, knee bars and leg locks, uh, but yeah, for the most part, there wasn't. Yeah, weren't many pinfall attempts. Just them slugging, and you know, Nagata hitting some suplexes, trying to hit the backdrop suplex, and yeah, eventually, Nagata hitting the Gotch power driver, or Suzuki hitting the gotch power driver.
2: Great. We had some questions here. Grunty Dodd asks: Has there ever been a match between two fifty-plus-year-old wrestlers that's been better than Suzuki versus Nagata?
1: I mean, I can't think of one.
2: I don't know anything specifically. I know there uh, was an exhibition match between Billy Robinson and um, – oh, God. What's his name? Who's, who's the, uh, the great champion from AWA? Nick Bockwinkle. There's a, there's a Billy Robinson-Nick Bockwinkle match from UWFI in like 1990 or something like that or 91. They're both old and I love that match. Obviously, there's the fantastic match from last year between Suzuki and Liger. A different kind of match might still be better than these. Hard to say. But it's on the short list.
1: Yeah. Uh, next question from Kevin Crawford. Given the circumstances of the weird year it's been, is Suzuki vs. Nagata a strong contender for Feud of the Year, not only in NJPW, but of any promotion, period? Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely on the list for me. And we'll be talking a little bit about uh, Feuds of the Year in a second here.
2: We would speak more to it Kevin But you hit it right on the nail Like There's nothing more to add to that You put it perfectly
1: Next question from Diesel 86 The highlight of the summer for me Has been watching Suzuki and Nagata Beat the shit out of each other They remind me of two stubborn old rams Butting heads for dominance over the herd Do you guys think that there are any other two dads On the roster who could pull off a feud like this
2: Yeah Kojima
1: Yeah I mean I think it would have to be Kojima Against one of these two guys
2: yeah I mean Kojima uh, doesn't get credit in the modern times but I mean you go watch his work in all Japan from the early 2000s he isn't he's a all-timer yeah he's an all-time candidate literally
1: and you know speaking of underground MLW has been uploading the MLW underground series where Kojima was the MLW champion that's the first place I saw Kojima Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think Kojima's awesome. I, I think they could utilize him more, especially in this limited roster situation. I think he could be in never title matches. I think he could be feuding with guys like Suzuki and Nagata.
2: Dude, I saw a, ma- a match with him and Mizawa from 04 the other day. Like, Koji- Kojima's the best. <laughs> he's, he's so awesome.
1: Red club um, for life.
2: Next question from Dan Coffin. He said, who is Suzuki coming after next? I think we uh, are hoping it's Shingo. I think it might be Okada.
1: Yeah, it could be Shingo, or yeah, it could be the KOPW title. We know he loves his uh I mean, his death matches, or his you know his hardcore style brawling matches. So
2: well, you also got to remember he's got uh, that fantastic UWFI match with uh, Kazushi Sakuraba from uh, Wrestle Kingdom Nine. So not only has he done like chain matches and you know death, you know quote unquote death, you know hardcore matches, but I mean he could. Go out there and have a shoot style match With anybody and and fuck them up
1: Yeah So uh, Last question here from Kevin from DC Considering the amount of slaps in the match Did Nagata versus Suzuki indeed slap?
2: Yeah This match slapped Fucking hard
1: Yes slapped (laughs) real hard Yeah this match loved it Definitely a highlight of this summer struggle tour
2: All right, so let's move on. Uh, You know, I usually like for us to do this at the beginning or the end of the show. It's fine. We're in the middle of the show, so no big deal. It's time for us to announce the 2020 July New Japan Wrestler of the Month and Match of the Month.
1: Yes, so for the Wrestler of the Month, for July 2020, we went with the ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi, just had a, you know, great closing stretch in the New Japan Cup. Um, you know, getting a lot of big wins over heavyweights. Um, you know, getting pushed in this big situation. And um, recently having the the big spotlight. Getting a, a double title match against EVIL. And having great matches. Great character work. Great promos. Being elevated up the card. It's just a great month for Hiromu.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of candidates. Um... I think at this point in time, it, it was very close between him and Shingo, but you, you look at some of the great matches Shingo had during the month. I think like, the show Shingo match trended very high, but um, ultimately, I mean, you got Hiromu and Ishii, you got Hiromu and Okada, you got Hiromu and Evil. He defeated two... Or, I'm sorry, uh... He defeated, you know, Ishii, which is a big heavyweight, uh, you know, had great showings against, you know, two championship level caliber guys in, in the month. Some of the best matches of the month. So it's really hard to kind of deny Hiromu Takahashi as our wrestler of the month. Uh, other candidates, um, Golden, Ace, Golden Aces, uh, Dangerous Techers possibly could have definitely been up there. Obviously, Shingo. Um, Kayfabe-wise – you can't really discount evil, but it's the in-ring port that really keeps him away from this. Any month wins the New Japan Cup and uh, wins the IWGP title, they probably would have won this easily.
1: Yeah. So then. That's that, how
2: bad the in-ring was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I take us to the match of the month, and a, a lot of great contenders here for the match of the month. Uh, but we went with Hiromu Takahashi versus Tomohiro Ishii from the New Japan Cup uh, Like we mentioned, a big spot here for Hiromu and It was just one of those matches where you just didn't know If New Japan was gonna Go all the way with Hiromu not beat Ishii, or just have the, you know, the Heavyweight beat the junior But Hiromu got that big upset win Over Ishii, and this was one of the best Matches of the tournament
2: Yeah, July's been an interesting month Because we ran New Japan Cup matches Plus Dominion, plus Summer Struggle. And so it kind of seemed like we were trying to make up for lost time. We ran a lot of shows with a lot of matches. And it's kind of easy to forget that even though there have been some down points in, in the month and a lot of lackluster shows, been some really great matches. I mean, Shingo versus Show. Golden Lovers versus Dangerous Techers. Uh, the Nagata versus... Uh, um, Suzuki match that just occurred. Those got to be some of the matches that are like at the tip top of this, uh, consideration, but Hiromu versus Ishii, you know, is pretty much unanimously the most loved match. And it's a very special match, just the way that it, uh, kind of all played out. Um, I think for me personally, I think I still got a soft spot in my heart for Nagata Suzuki, but, uh, I would be lying if I, were to deny Hiromu Ishii their rightful due And um, you know that They're definitely the match of the month
1: Nice uh, so now our next segment This was <sighs> the young boys uh, Idea and it's a great idea So we're going to do A little quick kind of Exercise of Looking at the half year Report and So we're going to take a look at like the categories That we use for our end of the Year awards and we're going to kind of go back And forth we're each going to have thirty seconds each to kind of shoot on this topic, on each topic here, and kind of give our thoughts on the half of the year.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. So basically, real simple concept. So we're going to uh, take thirty seconds each. We're going to have a con. Uh, we're going to have a, a topic, and we are going to give our unfiltered, unfettered, uh, you know, thoughts on the topic. And once our thirty seconds are up. Boom, that's it. You can't talk about it any longer, so this is kinda gonna kind of be a quick snapshot of the half year where we stand in twenty twenty with Japan Pamper wrestling
1: and we'll kind of go in it. We'll be doing a snake kind of format, so um young boy's gonna start off the first category we'll talk about is match of the year, so he'll start off if we have thirty seconds, I'll do my thirty seconds, and then I'll start off with the second category, and we'll work our way until we get to our last topic all right, so.
2: All right, man. Well, let me know when you're ready to go.
1: All right. So going to start the clock now.
2: Awesome. So match of the month, there's been plenty of really great matches this this uh, year. Everything starts and ends with uh, Okada versus Ibushi in the dome. Um, that has to be the leading candidate for me. Uh, aside from that, other leading examples have got, have got to be Osprey versus Romu, Osprey versus ESJ, um, some of the post-COVID stuff that we've mentioned, like Ishii and uh, Hiromu. Um, lots of great candidates out there.
1: Yeah, so I absolutely agree with you, man. Um, Okada versus um, Ibushi at the Tokyo Dome was definitely, for me right now, is my match of the year. That was just an epic matchup between those guys. But like you mentioned, you know Okada versus Naito is a great candidate as well. And um, all the Osprey Saber matches also. But for me right now, it's definitely going to be um, Okada and Ibushi. That was just an epic match. Um, Moving on to best show of the year. So best show of the year, I'm thinking for me, it's going to have to be um, night one of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Like we mentioned, we had the epic Okada Ibushi match. You had the Moxley Archer match. There was just so much about that first night of Wrestle Kingdom, the Liger uh, multi-man match. Um, That first night, I mean, the second night was good too, but I just felt like the first night was special. And then also we've had COVID, so not a lot of really great shows have happened uh, post-pandemic. But yeah, Wrestle Kingdom night one.
2: Awesome. So getting into best show. We have, uh, this is kind of a unique situation, obviously, with COVID. This time of the year, we would have had a a myriad of of really great shows, but when you look at the overall year, it starts and begins with uh, Wrestle Kingdom, night one and night two, and I don't think anything post that, including New Beginning, um, even begin to touch the greatness of those two shows. It really just comes down to your personal preference. I prefer night one over night two, just to the general nature of the flow of the the shows. Night two has some really, really big moments, including the title win for uh, Naito, but I gotta go night one. So wrestler of the year, uh, this this is going to be a really uh, interesting category because a lot of the big names that you're used to seeing like uh, Tetsuya Naito and uh, Kazushiko Kata, uh, uh, Will Ospreay, some of those uh, bigger names, they are not going to be really in uh, strong consideration at this point in the year. I think right now we're uh, at a two-way tie. With uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Shichingo Takagi sort of leading the way uh, With the outlier of Tomohiro Ishii kind of uh, in the in the wings like he always is And um, that's kind of where we're at at this point
1: Yeah, totally agree with you, you know, wrestler of the year I mean, it's kind of hard to uh, discredit somebody um, like Akazuchika Okada or Katsuya Naito I mean, they've had some really high highs this year Also, you know, both of them in some five-star matches But when you think about consistency... Like you mentioned, I think Hiromu Takahashi is one of those guys. I think uh, Shingo Takagi is one of those guys with all his never title offenses and some of the matches he's had this year. And I, I really feel like um, he just needs one really, really great match and he can take Wrestler of the Year. Um, so now moving on to Jushin Thunder um, Junior Liger, Jushin Thunder Liger Junior of the Year. Um, I think it's Hiromu Takahashi. This guy, he's been the junior champion, came back at that big match. With Will Osprey at the Tokyo Dome, and then his elevation in the New Japan Cup has been great, and just you know really been the flag bearer for the juniors right now. And I don't think there's anybody else that comes to mind for me. I mean, you could say Osprey with just but the lack of competition. I think it's going to go to uh, Hiromu Takahashi.
2: Awesome. So with there not being a best of super juniors uh, so far this year, and most likely not going to have one this calendar year, it kind of leaves the junior division in a state of flux. That being the the, the uh, status of things, we have a junior uh, tag team title division that is sort of on hold. So I, I think you're right. It starts and begins with Hiromu Takahashi. I mean, he uh, was in the retirement match with uh, – jushin thunder liger he's defended the title multiple times great matches against ryu lee and others and uh i think that he is the only candidate that really stands out
1: yeah so uh moving on to tag team of the year um this this is a interesting one we we know how new japan goes with tag teams um i, I think it's down to dangerous techers and potentially golden aces um i think think for right now maybe i'm just gonna go with dangerous techers since they are the current champions and i feel like they're probably gonna hold on to the tag titles probably for a good part of this year
2: yeah uh for tag team of the year i've got to go golden aces they have had just uh a longer period of success, although it might not be that much longer. I mean, they had matches with G.O.D. Uh, they all th- it all kind of started uh, at the um, New Year's Dash. So, I mean, we're talking from New Year's Dash to this point. They've kind of been teaming and also, uh, you know, in the title picture. So, I mean, that's my leading candidate with Dangerous Techers kind of right behind them. If G.O.D. does return or FinJuice, then they might have a, a, a chance to kind of be outside contenders. Um, after that, we've got the Carl Gotch Strong Style uh, Award. Um, and this is a really, really tough one. Right now, I think Nagata and Suzuki are kind of making resurgences and um, making uh, both making strong candidacies as potential leaders there. You always have Tomohiro Ishii, who's had his own wars. Um, someone that a lot of people probably don't expect an outside uh, potential candidate Tom- or is uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Um, and that's everybody off the top of my head.
1: <laughs> uh, so, for me, uh, I definitely agree with you. You know, Suzuki and Nagata are definitely up there. I think those guys are probably the two leading candidates. And I, I don't think you can leave out uh, Shingo to. Takagi with all his never title Matches and you know his matches with Ishii And Goto in the beginning of the year And then even some of his matches um, You know since we've come back from the pandemic The matches with Sho have definitely been You know uh, strong style and That never style so I think Shingo's up there but yeah I think Suzuki And uh, Nagata would definitely be The top candidates um, So moving on to uh, Feud of the year um Feud of the Year, we've talked about it before, I, I think Suzuki Nagata has to be one of the top candidates for Feud of the Year. I mean, simple build, these guys attacking each other post-match and just building to this uh, big singles match, you know, the New Japan Cup stuff. Um, that's been a great rivalry. And then I know we're not big fans of, um, you know, Evil in the term, but it, it's a big thing. So I think you also have to consider um, Evil and Naito as potentially a, a Feud of the Year.
2: Uh, because of the strange nature of how everything has turned out with COVID in this year. Uh, I agree with you, Jeremy. Uh, all, all the different feuds that you just mentioned are great candidates. I probably think Suzuki Nagata is leading for me. Some other options, Carl Fredericks versus uh, Jeff Cobb is another uh, possible candidate. Um, also, Rio Lee versus Hiromu Takahashi was another uh, great feud that happened earlier in the year. And you could even possibly consider Will Ospreay versus ZSJ. Um, But we haven't just seen enough this year to to have other options. So we have the big Van Vader Gaijin of the Year award. And um, man, this is a really tough one because the Gaijin have kind of been on the outside of the company uh, (laughs) since COVID has started. Um, I mean, I guess my leading candidate has to be still Will Ospreay. Um, Will Ospreay winning the Rev Pro title this year, having great matches with Hiromu as well as ZSJ. Um, I mean, aside from him, I don't know who you really go with. Can you think of any uh, other options?
1: Um, I think John Moxley is a name you gotta throw out there. He is the U.S. champion. He did have, you know, two big matches at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, He did have the uh, Suzuki match. I believe that was new beginning. You know, he teamed with Okada in that one match as well. I know he hasn't been around due to the pandemic, but I think he's definitely a name you consider. But um, Ospreay, like you mentioned, also I think Zack Sabre Jr. is a name you mentioned, especially with, you know, the whole dangerous ticker thing. I think he could be somebody that has a great remainder of the year since he is in Japan. So Faction of the Year This one is an um, interesting one Obviously we don't really have many new factions It's kind of the same bunch that we've talked about the last three years But this year um, I think Bullet Club might end up winning Faction of the Year just because you know a lot of people Are really into the evil story And the evil turn And uh, feel like that's given Bullet Club uh, Kind of a shot in the arm uh, I think LIJ is another great candidate with them holding a majority of the goal um in the first half of the you know the first few months of the year before the pandemic so that's definitely a number uh, stable to consider
2: yeah uh with the stable of the year it's a two-dog race at this point and it's not even that far away to where anybody couldn't pull away and still to potentially win this by the end of the year uh you know uh the two biggest points lij had almost all the gold for the majority of the year until the turn from evil now that evil's turn it seemed like uh, uh bull club is surging and they've got a lot of uh fresh names fresh faces some new momentum so there's a good chance that they could actually win uh factions in the year this year <coughs> after that we have the most improved award and uh this is one that I really am not a hundred percent confident on. I wish I would have thought some of these answers out before we started this exercise. Um, Desperado probably jumps out to me as maybe being the first and uh, you know, most improved person. Um, Carl Fredericks is another name that jumps out. I know he's a newcomer, you know, only coming at the end of the year, but the types of improvements he's made has been so vast. Uh, Other than those two, Uh, I'm not really quite sure, just because of the limited nature of the coverage this year.
1: Yeah, um, Newcomer of the Year, that's, um, excuse me, Most Improved, yeah, that's... I immediately kind of think of the Young lines. I'm thinking about Gabriel Kidd. I'm thinking about Yota Suji. And I'm thinking about Yu Yamura. I feel like all three of those guys have mm. really stepped up this year. And I think all, yeah, all three of them are candidates. I think especially uh, Gabriel Kidd in this last tour. I've really been just impressed with his fire and what he's been bringing to the table. So, yeah, I think we can't count on the Young lines. when we're thinking about most improved here. Um, so, next up, we have Newcomer of the Year. And um, for me, I, I think, you know... We joke about him, but I think Master Watto is definitely a name you got to consider uh, weeks and weeks of build up um, to this kind of big debut. And I know he's kind of at the low part of the card with uh, feuds and stories, but he's been having some good matches and very entertaining. And I, I love his move set. And so um, as of right now, yeah, Wato is the you know, first name that comes to my mind.
2: So join in on my 30 seconds here, Jeremy. Is there anybody else that has joined New Japan proper in the during this time period?
1: uh I don't think so I'm trying to uh so,
2: so I think so I think I think either master watch or Gabriel could got to be your top two leaders if we're talking about New Japan of America though two names that come out to me uh Russ Taylor as well as um filthy Tom Waller for sure. Uh, after that, we had the Fighting Spirit Award. So this is an award that we uh, give for people who have accomplished, you know, great tasks. Uh, man, a Fighting Spirit Award! I actually can't even think of <laughs> like a good a good candidate. Um, I do think of Hiromu Takahashi's run through the uh, New Japan Cup as a junior champion and defeating many heavyweights. Um, but other th- and and maybe like. Uh, Naito, like overcoming in the dome, but I can't think of anything else.
1: Yeah, I had a hard time thinking about this one too, but Hiromu was the first thing I thought about. You know, Hiromu's run through the New Japan Cup, being a junior and um, surviving so many heavyweights, and um, just even that leading to that double title match, even though it was kind of outside the New Japan Cup. Uh, I mean, the other thing I think about is just the company in general having fighting spirit during the pandemic and um, doing the best it could to. Um, you know, put content out through that period and, you know, all the things they did with, you know, clean the ring, all that stuff. Liger's retirement. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, next up we have... uh,
2: The young boy of the year.
1: Yeah, so young boy of the year. So, you know, I mentioned some of the young lines that I've been impressed with, but um, I think, you know, Carl Fredericks has to be uh, one of the leading candidates for this, you know, being a guy obviously pushed very heavily and there was already plans for him to you know graduate earlier in the year in new japan cup we didn't see until um you know the lions break collision but he's been very impressive this year and then also you know connors uh Coughlin, uh there's there's a lot of great young lions here in new japan that could qualify for this award
2: yeah carl fredericks i have to look at the voting uh regiments but it seems like he might have actually uh he might not even qualify for this uh, by the time the, the year end comes. And if that is the case, guys like him and Shoto Amino kind of moving on, as well as Rida, I think Yamura is the leading candidate, even above Coughlin, Connors, as well as Gabriel Kidd, and Yoda Suji. Uh, Yamura is my young boy of the year at this halfway point in 2020, but it's anybody's race. <laughs> All right, so after that, we have the Strong Style Fight of the Year, and there are quite a few candidates. Um, off the top of my head, you know, Jon Moxley's death match with uh, Lance Archer comes to mind, as well as Hiroma uh, Takahashi's slap fest with Rio Har- with, uh, Lee in February. Um, but the top two most hard-hitting, violent matches that I can think of are the Nagata-Suzuki match. Whichever one you like better, take your pick. <laughs> Although, even though those two might lead they might actually split the vote and possibly lead to one of them not winning.
1: Yeah, we've we seen situations like that happen in the past where, you know, something similar splits the vote. But, yeah, Suzuki Nagata, those two matches are definitely high up for me as candidates for Strong stop Fight of the Year. Also, I think you got to consider both the Show and Shingo matches. Maybe the first one, I think people like that one a little bit better, and it was probably a little bit more hard-hitting the rematch. Uh, so that's definitely a candidate to consider as well, but... And also, yeah, you mentioned Mox Archer, but yeah, for me, it's definitely going to be one of those Suzuki um, Nagata matches. Then, junior match of the year. This is a great uh, category. Oh, you know, we've had, you know New Japan usually has a ton of great junior matches. And I think back to the beginning of the year where we had Hiromu Takahashi making his kind of big return, his first big singles match, uh, taking on Will Osprey for the junior title. That match was just freaking incredible. Um, that will, will probably be one of the leadings for me. You also got, like you mentioned, in the strong stop by Hiromu and Ryu Lee as a matchup there. Um, so I'm trying to think. Those are probably the, the top two that come to my mind when I'm thinking of uh, junior uh, match of the year.
2: Yeah, I wish we had a deeper conversation of options here. Uh, hopefully, things open up as uh, the year continues on. But right now, it's a two dog race between um, Hiromu versus Osprey and Hiromu versus Ryu Lee. And I'm leaning heavily towards Osprey versus Hiromu at the dome.
1: Oh man. Finished with, uh, 10 seconds to spare. <laughs> all right. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, there's, there's not <laughs> much to discuss there.
1: <laughs> all right, thanks for the next one.
2: Uh, so the next one we have is excursion match of the year. And one of the nice things here is I've actually gone ahead and, uh, follow, you know, kept up with all the different excursion matches that have taken place. I mean, there are quite a few different options. Uh, Mox versus Darby Allen, Carbonario versus Eagles, Red versus Pac, Lee versus Omega, Chaos versus Rascals, Lee versus Taylor, Liger and Eagles versus I mean, there's I could go on and on. I think right now my leading candidate though is Osprey versus Saber from Rev Pro High Stakes. Um, I think that's gotta be the leading candidate for uh Excursion Match of the Year.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you, man. Yeah, that Osprey versus Sabre match uh, for the Red Pro title was definitely a big deal. The story they were telling with Osprey and, you know, never holding that title and just the rivalry that he's had with Zack Sabre and what a big moment that was for him winning the title. Um, i trying to think of any other excursion match. You mentioned the Kenny Omega. Os-
2: Osprey James.
1: Oh, yeah, Dowie James. Also, uh, Moxley versus Brody Lee from um, Double or Nothing um, with John Moxley representing New Japan there. I thought that was a great matchup as well. Angle of the year um, So There haven't been a ton of angles this year But obviously there there have been obviously some memorable ones um, You know I'm not a fan Of EVIL as IWGP champion But I did like the initial angle Of just him turning on Naito And the whole visual of him turning The you know the fist into the too sweet And just the whole fact that he was leaving LIJ and but I also didn't realize That was leading to him winning the titles But I thought that whole angle came off very well
2: yeah, I think the two angles that come to mind is probably Kenta attacking Naito at the end of Wrestle Kingdom and then um, Evil turning on Lij and turning on uh, Naito as well. Seems like Naito's always getting his ass whipped in these uh, sorts of things. Uh, if there are other options, I'd have to do some deep digging, but I think right now Evil Naito's leading probably as the most significant moment as an actual angle for the year. Uh, the next one is news story of the year. So, uh, I've got to imagine probably COVID-19 and New Japan not running while other companies run is probably the, one of the most telling and most significant stories of the year. Um, the, some other options would be like Liger's retirement and things of that nature, but the, the most gripping thing that's happened is, you know, them just running complete, not running while everybody else is running. It's got to be it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you totally there. I mean, when I think about news story, there is no bigger news story than a global pandemic and the fact that the promotion has been shut down for, you know, for three or four months, however long it was. And so, yeah, the fact was you mentioned, you know, other companies around the world, even com- companies in Japan were continuing to run while New Japan stopped and just, you know, the way they've been handling Everything during the pandemic it um, really speaks to just their, you know, care for the wrestlers and the fans. So I think that's definitely going to be it. <laughs> then moving on to the title picture scene in general. So it's not a war, but we're just talking about how we feel about, you know, the title scenes. And overall, it's just been very interesting with the pandemic. You know, before the pandemic, I never thought I would see Evil as a double champion. It's just kind of interesting to see, like, where are they going with the IWGP uh, double title picture. I really enjoy the the never title picture. I'm digging Shingo uh, defending against juniors, um, and uh, um, I'd love to see him against Minoru Suzuki.
2: Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is we have titles wrapped up uh, by having overseas champions. We have other titles that are kind of um, tied up just from the fact that uh, champions are injured or there's a lack of division. Um, You kind of look at the tag team title picture scene, there's, I think the the lack of divisions is something that's kind of hurting certain uh, titles. And then you look at other divisions like the Never title scene, the IWGP, and those rosters are extremely deep. Um, So it's very interesting in those respects. Finally, the company overall, I think, you know, um, the company had certain goals and probably uh, booking aspirations for the long term this global pandemic knocked things on its keister, and once they did come back, um, for better or for worse, running in an empty arena environment or in the what I like to call the no cheering environment has been very precarious. Um, I'm not a big fan of some of the major decisions that they made um, in the past few weeks or the past few months, but uh, overall, this company's done a lot of really good things uh, for the way that they run as far as the health of the wrestlers.
1: Yeah, so it's definitely been an interesting year for New Japan. Obviously, nobody predicted a global pandemic that would you know cut the company short and I definitely think the pandemic set, set them off track a little bit. and like you, I agree, I'm not a big fan on some of the the booking decisions that have been made tons return, but um, I you know I think they've been doing a great job as far as you know what they did with the empty arena. The New Japan Cup came off well for the most part before we got to the finals and um, you know they're they're trying their best uh, right now during this time. All right. Well. Oh that...
2: man, <laughs> <laughs> that game is hard. It...
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Wow, man. And it, was,
2: and, and it was and it was my idea, but I didn't know it was going to be so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm sitting there, like thinking of so many, like you know, like when I talked about like strong style wrestler of the year, I forgot to mention Chingon, and like then you bring it up, and I'm like, thank God Jeremy brought that up. We, we're going to look like idiots. <laughs>
1: It's just so hard to think, you know, right off the cuff when the, the clock is ticking and you're seeing the time go down on uh, what to think about. But, yeah, I think we kind of did a good job just kind of encampu- encapsulating our thoughts and kind of what we see that's happening in the first half of the year. Yeah, I hope
2: you guys enjoy that. We tried our best, and uh, you guys know how it is. At the end of the year, we're going to give you the most thorough breakdown year-end report, so, you know, you don't have to worry about that at all. Yep,
1: and we'll definitely you know throw the voting out around that time for you guys to vote in our – this will be, what, our fourth annual year in awards? Yeah.
2: I think the most interesting aspect of this little exercise that we just did is – and it's probably no surprise at all. It's just the – how many months were we off? Three? Four? Yeah. Three? It really limited – how much certain aspects of the company have been exposed. You know, things like the junior division, things like the tag team division. And, um, you know, you, you really start to see those sorts of things come to light when we start talking about the different categories that are usually, you know, overrun with candidates. And then you're like, what's the junior match zero? Oh, there's only been like two standouts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you kind of forget that sort of thing. You know, I, the company's kind of trying to like, you know keep its head above water just running the way it is, and uh, I think that little pro- that little uh exercise we just did kind of brought to light some of those things for sure,
1: yeah. So, all right, we have some quick news items here, and then we have some questions and then recommended match of the week. Um, so first thing we got to mention, uh, Mark Rollerball Rocco passing away on July 30th at the age of 69. Uh, Josh, I know you are a big fan of. Rollerball and uh, probably have more uh, Insight on his background than I do
2: Yeah Rollerball Rocco um, Mark Rocco is just One of the best innovators in the history Of professional wrestling Um, I listened uh, to the Latest episode of Wrestling Observer Radio And I thought Dave Meltzer Did a really great job kind of encapsulating Sort of the uh, Perception of Mark Rocco And his time as well as sort of his Legacy Um, I don't know that I Could do any better but I mean you know, the fact that he did have a long-standing relationship with New Japan, he was uh, one of the guys that when they would send workers over to the UK to, uh, you know, learn how to work and have somebody to kind of be mentored by, he was one of those guys. I mean, he helped mentor Jushin Thunder Liger, he worked with um, Satoru Sayama extensively over there, and he was probably the best worker of his generation in the eighties and the late seventies in the world of sport area or area era. Um, I mean, we're talking about an era that includes guys like dynamite kid, Marty Jones, you know, various others. Um, and he, he was one of the most influential and groundbreaking. I mean, when people talk about like, Young Bucks or a lot of indie guys like Ricochet. I mean, that's kind of how Mark Rocco was sort of seen in his time period. He was a trendsetter. And uh, he was brought over to New Japan to portray the first version of Black Tiger, you know, uh, same character that'd be played by, you know, other greats like Rocky Romero and Tomohiro Ishii, Eddie Guerrero. And he was the original. And he stayed with the company um, all through the 80s into the early 90s. And he really left an indelible footprint on the company, on their working style, on the style of so many others. And I mean the only reason most wrestling fans in the States have never heard of him is he just never came to the States. But I mean if you go into the World of Sport catalog or you you watch New Japan World, you can see a lot of his influence in his work. And it still stands up to this time. And uh, yeah, Rollerball is the greatest, one of them.
1: Yeah, definitely plan on looking back and watching some uh more of his matches. I know you us uh you showed me a couple of his matches before and yeah, just yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, just kind of timeless performer. So uh thoughts you and gotta see his to stuff his with, you gotta
2: see his stuff with uh Marty Jones, his stuff with Dynamite Kid, his stuff with uh Fit Finley, like my God, yeah. Like r- rollerball's the best, man.
1: Yeah. So our thoughts and prayers with uh, his family and his loved ones that were Missing his presence and all, of, you know, the performance that he's worked with over the years. Um, in other news, um, Carl Fredericks, like you mentioned earlier, was on the NJPW podcast. Check that out. Some kind of story-building elements there for the New Japan Cup USA. Um, we had Master Watto's first interview up on NJPW1972.com. Way to the grandmaster, so check out Master Watto's, uh, first interview on the site. Uh, then we've got a few questions here. Um. So first, nice. Let's knock him down. First from our user Highest Fly Flow says, "Congrats, Jeremy and Josh. You've been picked by Kidani himself to advise one rule or make a suggestion to the IWGP committee. What do you advise? Also, don't worry. Get you get paid a medium-sized birthday cake slice and a firm handshake. You must pay for your own flights."
2: <laughs> so we have to advise Kadani and the IWGP committee on one rule, like something we could change in New Japan.
1: One rule or or suggestion.
2: I think my biggest thing would be to – and I'm going to kind of cheat here because I don't want to focus in on one thing, but I would tell them to revise how they handle their referees. I think that the referees need to have more authority and need to be more forceful in enforcing the rules of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, be a great, more consistent.
1: That's a great. Yeah, I I hate the way that you know the referees come off and yeah, just you know figuring out what's a DQ, what's not a DQ, like just giving them a little bit more authority and not being pushovers.
2: You know, and it'd be one thing if like their house style of how they do tag matches was like if they only had like one or two tag matches on a show, so you kind of don't notice or you kind of forget. But when it's like five or six and you see the same tropes. Over and over and over again, it beca- kind of becomes glaring issues. You're like, "Oh my god, like is this a t- is this a tornado tag now?" Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> you ain't count anybody out. Like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, my my one suggestion to them would be to take the belts off of evil.
2: <laughs> 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 You're stupid.
1: <laughs> but like, look, man, look look at your main events in the past, like. You know, watch watch this match and watch every other IWGP title match and tell me that something ain't something ain't right.
2: Bro, just be like this, be like y'all want to draw or nah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Cuz cuz I cuz we can put the title on like there's mad people. I mean, there's like 10 dudes that will draw better. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh
1: Next question from our user Viking Pain. He says, Japan is starting to roll back some restrictions on reentry, but it seems like COVID cases in the country are starting to rise. What would New Japan do if Japan shut down everything again, focus solely on their U.S. branch?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like based on their previous actions and their attitude toward and their commitment to the wrestlers that they, if, if everything shut down again, they'd probably shut down again. I mean, I don't know that to be a fact but that's a possibility. Um, but it, I don't think it's going to affect what they're doing in New Japan of USA. Like, those are two different entities. Even though they're, they're under the same umbrella, I mean, they're kind of both beholden to whatever's happening in the country that they're running in.
1: Yeah, I think if, you know, things start, if cases continue to spike, I think we'll see an immediately a shift back to empty arena. For a little bit and then if a full shutdown Just based on how they reacted The first time I think They would go empty arena and then do a full shutdown Of the promotion again
2: What is the title called So the red belt is the IWGP United States heavyweight title Yeah I think they need to change that They need to get rid of that belt Start a new lineage and call it the IWGP Heavyweight title of America mm. They got New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. They need to have an IWGP heavyweight title of America. (laughs) Champion of the Americas.
1: (laughs) Uh, Next question from Agent Wallaby. We know that the New Money Clip and Butterfly Lock are pretty atrocious submission finisher. But who in New Japan has the best that isn't ZSJ because that ain't fair? His vote goes to Suzuki's knee bar.
2: Um, I mean – so is did he say submission hold or finisher?
1: Um, he just said – well, he was talking about finishers, but he just says who has the best because Suzuki's knee bar is not a finisher.
2: No. I, I mean if anything, his cl- – the closest thing he has to a finisher is probably – not that he doesn't finish people with knee bars, but it's probably his sleeper.
1: Yeah. So I think he just means cool submissions in general then.
2: Uh well that's an interesting question. Um I do, you know, as much flack as I give Evil, I do like his Scorpion Deathlock, but I mean, I'm a Ricky Mark, so I'm always going to like that.
1: Yeah. Um I like um what's his name? Um uh, blanking right now. Oh, Desperado, his um his stretch muffler when he locks it in all the way.
2: Yeah, uh, obviously there's the classic Anaconda vice from uh Tenzon, which mm. is always going to be up there. Yeah. Um, Nagata lock
1: mm, Yep yep all three of them the,
2: All of them <laughs> All of them um, Who else has good Submission holds I'm trying to I'm like I don't think there are a lot of people That really do honestly
1: Right I, I think submission that I immediately think Sabre um, I'm trying to think uh, Taiji Ishimori it, has the, is using The yes lock I like that submission
2: Yeah and I think He's going to win the title by the way, but, uh, possibly anyways. Um, yeah, I think we named some good ones. I don't really know what my favorite one is. Like it's kind of bullcrap that he said we can't use Zach, but it's like, it's not cheating. If it's the best, that's like being like, who's the best player in the NBA of all time, but you can't say Michael Jordan. That's cheating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zach has so many amazing submission holes,
2: I don't even know all the names of them, but, I mean, the one that I like is the um, Banana Split variation that yeah. he does.
1: Yeah I, think, so, yeah, I think that one's probably my favorite as well. Yeah.
2: Well, anyways, let's move on. Great question.
1: Uh, so next from— Oh!
2: I mean, you really like the Texas Cloverleaf, though, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah, Tanahashi's Cloverleaf, yeah. Yeah.
2: Fuck it! I'm gonna I'm gonna say I like the walls of Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I like the the Boston Crab from the Young Lions.
2: You know what? That is like one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I same. like the one that uh, Oka and Suji do, where they jump up and down. Though, yeah,
1: I like the, the single leg Carl Fredericks.
2: Fuck Carl Fredericks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh. Next question from EMJ does PR. He says the year is 2023. Who are new Japan's big four?
2: Um, Loa. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Who, who are the big three in 2023? Uh, Tanahashi's gotta be gone by in, in
1: three years, right? Yeah. I think it would be Okada. I, was, well, I think Okada would still be around. Osprey. Okada, J White.
2: Okada, J White, Osprey are all three locks, right?
1: Yeah. Bushi? Uh,
2: Hiromu? Bushi? I don't know. Bushi. Bushi's kinda old. I
1: don't know, man. That's right. Yeah, he's like what, thirty eight or something like that? Uh yeah, it could it could be Hiromu. We'll just give you that
2: answer, I guess. Yeah. I Although it seems weird to ha- it seems weird to have two gaijin in the top. I, I I'll tell you this, I feel more confident about Jay White being in the top four than I do about uh Osprey. Your boy Osp about Osprey. Mm. I know that that isn't a popular pick or what people like to hear, but he ain't he ain't wrestling that dojo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh the funky little dojo as our friend Ruth let would say.
2: He ain't wrestling the funky little dojo. Paul <laughs> Fredericks has a better shot being uh, one of the top four than uh, fucking Will Ospreay does. Will Osprey's going to be wrestling WWE by that point. <laughs> All
1: right, AEW. Jericho says he wants that, man. Yeah. Uh,
2: Anyways, next question <laughs>
1: from at Rain Trigger 15. It's with Dick Togo joining NJPW and lack of depth in roster due to the situation. Who would you like NJPW to sign from Japanese indies or smaller promotions?
2: Dude, uh, the funny thing is we really don't follow, like, the smaller Promotions or the Japanese Indies because this is almost like a full-time job following this, but, um, I mean, I don't know, like, Daisuke Sakamoto is always my answer.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, I have to go Daisuke, man, seeing him live in New Orleans was incredible, and, yeah, the fact that he, I feel like he's, is he a freelancer or is he
2: kind of but i mean he mostly wrestles in big japan and he sometimes he was doing stuff with all japan but i don't really know the state of everything you know right. um wasn't like ashino the guy that went to all japan and then they immediately pushed down the card
1: yeah and everyone so. was
2: excited about him so it's like i don't i don't know man yeah. i don't i don't know who's really out there i mean it seems like everyone's pretty tied up in either all japan DDT noah cyberfight Dragon Gate. I mean, everyone's tied up. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I don't really know the scene like that, so I'll have to do some research to see if there's any names that really come to mind there.
2: Uh, I want them to sign Masakatsu Funaki.
1: (laughs) Who's that? (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: He's, like, one of the founders of uh, Pancrase with Suzuki. He, like, wrestles for Sayama as, like, an old guy sometimes.
1: Gotcha. They need to you. need to find uh, Kitamura Sign him.
2: Yeah, dude. I heard a rumor that he like was let go due to. Did I say this last week about the Yakuza stuff?
1: It was like either last week or like two weeks ago.
2: Man, I we never heard that before. But that I don't know. That, that's just crazy.
1: Anyways, speaking of missing people, where the heck is Ren Narita? He wasn't on Lions Break Collision. He hasn't been seen in Japan. <sighs> I
2: assume he's in California learning like plying his trade.
1: You to get that man on, on the show. He better be on strong.
2: I think that there's some sort of reason that we're not seeing him. Honestly, like I didn't want to, I, yeah, I, I was wondering about that. Like, I feel like maybe they're ready to like do something surprising with him, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
1: I guess we'll see. Uh, next set of questions here from Maple Leaf wrestling history podcast, Uh, First question says, who was one of the first gaijin babyfaces for New Japan? I always assumed foreigners were heels until some point in the 90s, but could you guess who one of the first were?
2: Uh, One of the first babyface gaijin? Yeah. Holy crap. (laughs) I don't know. um, Maybe Hulk Hogan. Hmm.
1: When he came for the IWGP <laughs> title,
2: um, Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund was a babyface, and he was the WWF champion in the seventies. Um, Dusty Rhodes was a heel. Killer Call Krupp was a heel. Andre was a heel. Murdoch was a heel. I think Bob Backlund's probably like your best answer. I mean, um, you could, I mean, when we're talking foreigners, though, I mean, it depends. If you start talking about the uh, Lucha elite, Luchadors, you got guys like Dos Caras, Mil Mascaras. They were baby faces, kind of, but they kind of weren't all at the same time. Um, that's an interesting question. If you're talking about, like, from America, I would say, like, the easiest answer I can think of is Bob Backlund. But when you include the luchadors, if you're talking about, like, Mexican wrestlers, I don't know a clear answer. Um, Yeah, that's a tough one.
1: Uh, His follow-up question, he says, that Josh has mentioned many times that a freelancer like Suzuki will never become IWGP champion. So my final question is, have there been any freelance champions before, or is the IWGP title similar to the NWA title by having to make some sort of commitment to New Japan beforehand?
2: Bob Sapp, uh, I believe, was a freelancer in a certain respect, although I think he had exclusivity to New Japan over other wrestling companies at the time. Um, Yoshihiro Takeyama was a freelancer when he was champion, but that was a different era. But he's one of the only guys I can think of that realistically was a freelancer when he was champion.
1: What, what about Brock? Was he under contract?
2: N- no, uh, under contract, exclusive. Gotcha. I, Yoshihiro Takeyama is the only guy that comes to mind, aside from Bob Sapp. Those are the only two guys that I can think of that were freelancers, essentially – I mean, Bob Sapp was pretty much just wrestling for New Japan at the time, but eventually, he I mean, he was still fighting, though, and, you know, he was fighting for Pride. He was fighting for K1, so that one's a little open. But Takeyama was wrestling for Noah and All Japan around the same time, so, yeah, and it, he, he was not exclusive to New Japan.
1: Interesting, yeah. It's, it's one of those things, like, you don't want to really put your world title on somebody who can just never come back.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean they had other guys like Tenru was probably quote unquote considered a freelancer, maybe you know, but he kind of also had his own promotion and things like that. Takata was an outsider, but I wouldn't call him a freelancer. So I mean it, it, that one's hard to say.
1: Uh, next question here from Rich Lada. He says, "Is Gato in the middle of a horrible cocaine binge?" Uh,
2: <laughs> this is the second <laughs> week in a row that Rich has asked us this, and uh, um, I'll say this: Wrestling's weird in 2020. And when you start looking at the, you know, if 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 you want to make excuses for the evil thing on its own, that's one thing. If you want to make excuses for the king of pro wrestling thing on its own, that's one thing. But when you start Adding the stuff together and then kind of looking at the totality. I get what Rich is saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you know, maybe he, want, he, need, he need to get creative, so he needed to try some stuff to open his mind up.
2: Open your third eye.
1: <laughs> uh, last question here from Reddit user uh, Raising Falcons says, Russell Kingdom main event Tanahashi versus Naito. Thoughts? Maybe even have. Tanahashi lose the G1, but win the briefcase of the G1.
2: Um, it's not impossible. That's definitely a possibility, and maybe that could potentially be a last hurrah for Tanahashi in the dome. Um, but if you're gonna do a last hurrah, I don't know if Naito is necessarily the guy. Guys, let me just be honest with you. Heart to heart talk, real quick. Naito's on his last leg too, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this or not but like he's not long for this world like you know there's a reason when MJ does PR asked us about the 2023 we, neither one of us was like in, t- in three years Naito's gonna be in the big four he's not gonna be in the big four in three years I'm sorry <laughs> Yeah. so that's why I don't really they could do that as a dome match but I would not I wouldn't for some reason Oh man, people are gonna think I'm being like hyperbolic when I say this, but I'm not. That's closer to Starcade '96 than it is WrestleMania, or uh, yeah, than WrestleMania in like '97 or '96. Mm. You know, WrestleMania you had Bret and Shawn. Starcade you had Hogan. And Piper. Mm. I'm not. I'm not saying they're quite that old, but I'm just saying, in ring years, they might not be that far off, man. Yeah. Literally. And I. And I like them both, but like, I wouldn't run with that match. I just wouldn't. I would. I would run with an, uh Naito versus a young guy. I don't know who it is, but they might. They might do a. They could. The only reason I think they could do Tanahashi is because it probably would draw.
1: Yeah, and I just feel like, you know, that was that match they've been protecting. We had all those comments from both of them, and it's been subtly teased. And so, like you mentioned, it would draw. They could do it. I think that they could be able to still pull out a great matchup. Um,
2: They should go with Hiromu. And I'm not even, like, saying that because it's like, oh, that's what I want. I'm just saying from a logic standpoint, you, you need to go with someone who is younger. And it doesn't have to be Hiromu. But it needs to not be Tanahashi personally, and it, that Tanahashi match might pay off in the short term, but I don't think it has long term far like far benefits.
1: Yeah, and you I just
2: know. I just don't.
1: And with them not doing the Naito Herumi match at the anniversary show, and also not doing it at Dominion, maybe they are holding that for the dome. So we'll see.
2: I do have a sneaking suspicion that they're holding that match. They were holding that match off. I don't think they were holding it off for the Dome earlier in the year. Like, if, co- if there's no COVID, I don't think they do that match. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. But now, given the roster and given everything, it feels like that might be the way they're going.
1: Alright so we're gonna wrap things up with the Recommended match of the week So last week I made us watch the No rope explosive barbed wire Barricade explosive landmine double hell death match with the great Nita Versus the great Muta from August 28th 1999 from the NJPW Jingu Climax What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah so Um <laughs> My first recommendation watching this Match and it's a match that I've seen in the past But uh I haven't watched it, you know, in quite a while. Um, and I don't find this match to be one that I regularly revisit, (laughs) 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 um, but I've always thought that the, uh, the string of matches that, uh, you know, uh, Sushi Onida had in new Japan during that time period were very interesting and historic And this is chief among them as one of the most interesting. So you have um, Atsuchi O'Nita, you know, playing the role of the great Nita, which is sort of his parody slash tribute to the great Muda. And I would recommend if you're going to watch this match, in fact, it's the only way you should watch this match. They have this match available on New Japan World my recommendation to you is if you're able to find a version of it, that's not a new Japan world, please watch it that way. Although the video quality might not be quite as good. The entrances are necessary. You have to watch the entrances to this match because this match is absolutely 100% spectacle and you miss out on so much by not watching those entrances that are edited out of new Japan world. Um, as far as the match goes, I mean, it's not the first or only exploding landmine, death, hell, barbed wire, time bomb, deathmatch, blah, blah, blah. Um, these matches have always been interesting, though, because Onita basically gets his ass kicked all the time in New Japan. <laughs> he wrestles guys like Ricky Choshu or Chono or Muta who are not willing to take those bumps. And when they do take the one bump into the barbed wire with the explosion and they always have protective gear on. So Muta comes out with uh, his like giant jacket robe on and he, he gets thrust into the, uh, you know, into the exploding barbed wire almost immediately, but he has protective gear on. After that, it's all about the illusion of him potentially going into it. You know, they tease it a lot, but he doesn't really get thrown into it. He doesn't take any dangerous bumps or anything. One thing I don't like about the match is the reliance on the scythe. They use a scythe as a weapon, and it's like kind of. There's just certain weapons I. There's certain weapons I can believe. Usually things that are blunt object. Other things that are sharp. I'm not big fans of them, you know, because either they're going to be real, and if they're real, then people are going to be getting bladed, and I'm not a big fan of that, you know. Or even you know like abdul's fork or the scythe or they're going to be gimmicked and fake and it's not real and no one's bleeding and it's it take it breaks your uh suspension of disbelief the only benefit here is you've got two monster characters who are otherworldly and so the scythe because this isn't even really to be taken seriously it's more of a spectacle match than an actual catches catch cam catch uh product you kind of give it a little bit of a pass on using the scythe. But um, I thought that these two guys did a good job of building the anticipation of the spots and you know they're both using the mist and there's turns of, of control. But ultimately, this is not what you would call a great in-ring product, <laughs> <laughs> like at all. But um, it is something for historical purposes that I think everyone should absolutely watch. And I did think it was at the end of the day, entertaining, you know, right. um, I, and uh, I would, I would still go like less than three stars for sure, but it's not in the negative territory or anything like that. And it's, it's just one of those things. It's like, you kind of need to see it to kind of experience it. Uh, I don't want to put it on the same historical perspective as say Hogan and Andre, but how that match is a big spectacle and it drew and it was important. That's kind of what this match was.
1: Yeah, like you totally agree with you. Yeah, honestly, when I watched this, I was not, you know, when I picked this, I wasn't expecting it, anybody to think it was a five-star classic, but it was entertaining and just with Jingu yeah, coming Yeah, but out, bro,
2: it's not even a four-star classic.
1: <laughs> it's not a classic at all. <laughs> it's not even
2: a three-star classic. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, it was historical and it kind of fit with uh, you know, everything going on with us on the road to Jingu.
2: Awesome. Um, Yeah, and again, I did enjoy the match. If you haven't seen it, I would still say definitely watch it. It's not it's not that long of a match, anyways. I thought the end of the match was kind of weird, Um, like the way that uh, Onita gets thrown into the landmines on the outside. But you know, I'm I'm a mark for a uh, time bomb death match just in general when it's done well and. This one definitely had New Japan production value. I mean, the explosion was huge at the end, which was pretty cool. But uh, interesting match.
1: So what you got for us for this week?
2: Well, man, we're talking about this King of Pro Wrestling title. We're talking about gimmick matches. And uh, you made me sit through a gimmick match. So I (laughs) think that I am going to go ahead and make you sit through a gimmick match. Okay. So... Uh, my recommended match of the week is the IWGP Heavyweight Title on the line in the first ever Konami Cage Death Match between the reigning champion Yoshihiro Takayama defending the title against Masahiro Chono. Uh, this is from Osaka Dream Night in 2003, and spoiler alert: this is a match that you cannot access on new Japan world. However, I have been gracious enough to provide a link to this match on the wrestling squared circle, Facebook group. Now you don't have to go there to watch it. If you Google this uh, match, you'll be able to find a link to it on Facebook, but you should join the wrestling squared circle. We run that Facebook group chat and you'll be able to find my uh, link that I've shared of this match fairly easily. Uh, fair warning this match goes about 40 minutes
0: Oh it's man, it's not a short one
2: <laughs> it's not a short one this is you know we talk about that time period having a lot of 15 you know sub-minute matches this is not one of those this is an <laughs> epic
1: So buckle in um, get, get some popcorn
2: yeah but um and uh, i'll also say this this is not my this is this is a spectacle that needs to be seen to be believed. It's one of the – it's one of only three cage matches in the history of New Japan so far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only one to take place in front of an actual New Japan audience. The other two – one took place on a lockup produce show uh, in like 2007, 2008, Makabe uh, was doing that, uh, but that's those aren't even really considered canon. And then the other one was a empty arena match between Murakami and Tanahashi. So, this is the OG. This is for the title, and it's w- like the only cage match, the only real true cage match in New Japan history,
1: realistically. Nice. So, looking forward to checking that out and uh, reviewing that next week. Well, that okay. I'm looking at I'm looking at cage match.
2: Thirty four minutes and six seconds.
1: So, hey, it's a, it's an evil match.
2: Yeah. Yeah, basically. It's better than an evil match.
1: (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's going to wrap things up for this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the Nera Six-Man Tournament and the opening round of the New Japan Cup USA Tournament. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Also, follow us at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash groups slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at SocialSuplex.com. Check out our Discord server. The link for that is in the show notes of the show. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated independent wrestling, grown men watch this shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryant. On Fridays, we have Getting the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Leap with Floyd and Austin. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, The Ace of podcasts bye everybody
2: thank you for listening to keeping it strong style we'll see you next time